ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode. I am your host, Stephen G. Gaxiola, and you are listening to The Raider and the Saint. Foremost, I want to thank all my listeners from around the world that tune in to the Raider and the Saint podcast. Once again, I am your host, Stephen G. Gaxiola. And I just came back from vacation. Uh, it was a great vacation. Went by really fast. Uh, my first actual time taking off from doing this podcast. Besides me getting COVID in February. So it was... Uh, it felt weird. I really wanted to get. I like. I, I can't wait till the end of the week to come in and, and podcast for you guys, and get in here and just uh, meet new people or just bring people in that I've known for many years. So I want to thank uh, everybody that listens. On, t- on top of uh, the support you guys tell me and, and, and come and discuss certain topics or things you want to hear. But once again, thank e- thank you everybody, my family, supporters, coworkers, listeners all around that I never met. Thank you so much for your guys' support. But yeah, I did take a vacation. Well earned. I was in San Clemente for a couple days, hanging out by the pier. It was a good time to relax and just clear my mind and, and get ready for this uh, second half of the year. You know, we got the the Delta variant going around, and people are starting in, going back in the hospitals. We're getting ready to see maybe a possible third wave. So, me being got to get mentally prepared. I'm back at the gym now. Once I got COVID, I realized I was I was drinking too much and eating fast food and kind of just, well, the end of the world's going to happen. I might as well just enjoy myself. But now that I, I had COVID, I got better. I realized, Hey, I'm not as healthy as I thought I was thinking you're a driver. You're moving around all day. You're in and out of the car. You think you're in shape, but tech, you know, I've gone to the doctors and they, they, they would say you need to do more than that. And I was like, how am I supposed to do more than that? If I'm, walking or running or moving around for 12 hours a day and then i'm supposed to go to the gym after that maybe they should maybe i should get get on some gear or something you know i get get uh, my test you know testosterone tested or something like that but anyways that, that was last week that was my vacation um just hung out friday was my birthday shout out to for to me and myself for, i just turned 41 and it was just a relaxation day, hung out with the family, barbecue some steaks, shrimp, lobster tail. Uh, my lady made a chocolate cake with all chocolate cake with almonds on it. So that was cool. You know, just hung out, had to work on Saturday, went in on Saturday, worked, and basically Saturday night, just hung out, watched UFC, and just get ready for this podcast today. This guest that I'm going to bring in shortly. I want to thank my past guest, Alex Gomez. 
Thank you, sir, for coming on the show. I hope all is well, and I can't wait to see you again. Want to give my my shout outs to Wimpy's Pawn Shop. If you guys are looking to buy, sell, or trade, Wimpy's Pawn Shop is the place to go. They are located at 750 West Foothill Boulevard in Azusa, California. Also, another shout out to my boy, Freddie Morales, loan officer. If you guys are looking for a loan, looking to buy a home, looking to sell maybe, hit up my boy, Freddie Morales. You could get a hold of him at mortgagemorales at gmail.com. That's mortgagemorales at gmail.com. If you guys want, got any inquiries, you want to be on the show, you got any questions or topics you want me to discuss, you can get a hold of me at the Raider and the Saint at Outlook.com. That's the Raider and the Saint at Outlook.com. I'm also on Instagram. Just type in the Raider and the Saint. Facebook, the Raider and the Saint. Just type in the Raider Saint and shoot me a message. Or if you want to come on the show, that would be pretty cool. I'm always looking for content. So my guest today, I think it's his third time coming on. This is episode 90. I had to get him back. He's still, he is one of my friends, will always be my friend, no matter what we go through in life. You know, you want to judge, judge me, then I'm the biggest piece of shit there ever is. But my friend standing across from me, Mr. Josh Acosta, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. <clears throat> I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's good to have you back. I haven't seen you since your episode. We can talk about whatever you want, man. But you said you, you want, I wanted you to come on, and you said you're willing to come on just as long as you had your your work schedule did it conflict with this time that we yes. get in and you know at yeah. 10 a.m so what have you been up to not much uh just basically restarting my whole life over um basically uh you know as you know that uh we steve and i used to work together yeah we used to work together a lot of a lot of co-workers listen to the podcast and uh well yeah for the I people had, that don't know i had left the company uh Late December, early in January. So it's been about eight months since I've left the company. But it was kind of an interesting way how it happened. Uh, it basically, it was a mistake I had made at work. And just had to move on from it without like getting into too many details about it. So you're a let go. Yeah. After how many years? 15. 15 years. 15 years. Yeah, of driving or total time? Total time. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I know that you've been there probably like 22. 20, yeah, like five, I'm going on 23, yeah. yeah. I thought you were in the 20s, too. No, I, wa you... I was. I basically was hired 10 years prior to my other hire date, and I was there for five years. And uh, I had left because I had I had finished. Oh, like Tanaka. Yeah, I had left and I decided to go like, OK, I, uh, I got out of school. I was going to school and I'm like, OK, I think I'll go like a corporate type job, like office jobs. And um, I was doing that for probably like four or five years and I was miserable. I hated it. I was making like 30 grand a year, like living at home. 21 22 so you were a supervisor the first time around yeah i was not not at ups okay, okay. but at a different company and so i i this is around the housing market when there was a crash that was what 20, 2008 yeah right about there and because i was doing mortgage stuff too as well mm -hmm. like uh, refinancing like cold calling people mm -hmm. and that 
industry took a dive. So I was like, what did I enjoy doing? Like in general, like where I was like the happiest, like didn't really care about the money or whatnot. I just remember UPS <laughs> working in the, in the, in the twilight loading mm -hmm. trailers because for those four hours or so, you're just isolated in your own little world and you're just doing what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Not real communication with people like, and it kind of, it kept me in shape. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, being isolated. That's, that's, that's crazy. I never thought about it like that. Cause I used to load trailers. Uh -huh. I loaded trailers for about nine months, mm -hmm. close to a year. Yeah. And I almost quit. I go, Fuck this. <laughs> Fuck this 45 foot trailers. You uh -huh. load one. You're thinking, okay, it's, we're done. No. We're shutting it down. No, here's another. So like you think we're you think we're done? No, mm -hmm. we're just getting started. Here's another trailer. During peak, you do four of them, yeah. and each pack, each trailer, some of them were 55 footers, right? Mm -hmm. And they yeah. would fit up to 1,600 packages. Yeah, and then a lot of times I forget what they were called. The ones that had the rollers built in. Yeah, those are the those, nice with ones. The flaps on this. Oh, I hated that. Oh, always, the flaps. I don't remember those. Yeah, trailers. it was weird. It was like a, like a little sub. Type oh yeah, 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 yeah. Do and we still have those? I don't know, but those things were dangerous, man. I like you would load underneath I, and shut it yeah, off. Yeah, and but I've like nicked myself so many times on the bars. Like you can hurt yourself all kinds of ways in that. Dude, there's a oh, dude. I have two people that broke that jacked up their backs. Yeah. While in Twilight, and they had a UPS paid for them to go have new careers. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the guys I seen uh, years later, he was right off of Bristol, uh, at a shoe place. Mm -hmm. Bristol and MacArthur and I seen him and I, I remember him because we used to go party at, at Cal State Fullerton he used to live uh, uh, frat row mm -hmm. and he worked part-time with us he had more years than us I think he was like a, a year or two years ahead of us still look because back then it was 10 years ago driving mm -hmm. take 10 years yeah and he uh, I remember when one of his shoe busted open one of the soles popped out and so he loaded like that all day because he was like a monster with all this dude's the best loader yeah, yeah so yeah. he took pride in his work yeah. but anyways after that he fucked up his back doing that and they and they yeah i seen him selling shoes a couple years ago i don't know where he's at now but i remember him uh, i won't say his name because i still remember his name and then i had another buddy i went to high school with uh he was picking up an e-rig and you know all it takes yeah. is one snap yeah you know how many times I've been down, my pop back would pop, and then I wouldn't be able to get out of bed for like three months. I remember this one time I was in a, I was picking up an e rig. I was, we were wrapping up the end of the night at the trailer, and um, I picked the e rig drivers. You know, depending on them, you know, they get all kinds of employees, but this one e rig driver was a scumbag. You know, he, he's been there forever. He couldn't make it as a driver. He was always bitter. He was just kind of pissed off, and so he just threw the e rig like as he went by, and. Uh, he almost hit my foot, and I didn't have any steel-tipped shoes on, and I was, like, freaking out. So I was like, ah, whatever. So I go, and I pick it up, and it, the whole box gives. And what it was, it was a chainsaw, a used chainsaw, and it had all the liquid. It still had the oil and the gas in mm -hmm. it. So it just went all over the floor. And I'm like, dude, why, how did this guy or person be able to – pack it like this you know like but there i could have freaking easily cut my freaking foot we off. we say that a lot why would a person put this in the box like this <laughs> like I, I yeah i know it, it just doesn't make sense i had yesterday i had a 140 pound 
box. It was the Oz bed, Dr. Oz. Oh, okay. It was one of his beds. I guess he's selling beds now. Yeah. And that motherfucker was upstairs. Uh-huh. It wasn't the first door either. It's the one down the way. Mm-hmm. And it was it was fucking huge. Uh-huh. It was t- as tall as the truck. And I had to fucking pull it up the stairs, dude. And let me tell you, man, if I, if I wasn't working out like I have been, uh-huh. there's no way I would have been able to do that. There's no fucking way. I would have to ask. It was close. I was like, oh, because like you, you got to roll it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah, it's 140 it, pounds. Have you ever rolled 140 pounds yeah, up? That's like, like getting a 140 pound tire. Yeah. How big, are the, how heavy do those tires get? Those ones where they're like, they're all flipping them over. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Like hitting them with sledgehammer. Yeah. I wonder how like heavy those, those are. Well, this will package 100. Yeah, 40. 45 pounds. Dude, that's like hey, a it was like person. 143. Fuck. And the box was beat up, too. That's oh. the problem. The box is beat so up. It's all awkward. The bottom. I took it out of the truck. The bottom ripped out. Oh. And I had to throw stuff back in there and just, you know, yeah. you could fold boxes yeah. a certain way. <laughs> but fuck, dude. These people that are ordering shit like that is like, we shouldn't be delivering. That should be a two person job. <laughs> yeah. And I know we I can call in and ask for help, but yeah, when's that like going to fucking show driver, up? And it takes time to get the driver to come out and all that other whatever. Yeah. Drivers will do it, too. Yeah. Don't fucking sit there for two hours. Well, I'm not moving until no, you got to keep going. Well, I'm done already. Mm-hmm. I got to wait fucking two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like fucking that greedy, dude. You can I take it. T- I remember when I first started driving. Back in the day, like in, in, in South OC, uh, it was in Irvine. And uh, God, this is when TVs were like, they weren't as light as they are today. You know, like the big screen TVs. Mm-hmm. So like, it was a rookie mistake. Like, and it was in Irvine, it was a three-story apartment complex. So I'm like, oh great, it's on the third floor, but no elevator. And like your situation with your bed, I had, how am I gonna get this TV up? So. I kind of maneuver it and I tumble it up there and uh, I get it up there. And as I get close, I see a, a, a note on the door and you know that infamous note on the door, right? So I get to the door and then they're refusing the package. So I worked that TV up to the third floor, no elevator. And now they're refusing the package. Man, I was so pissed. So now I've learned on that, I'd always check if they were home first or if we weren't going to refuse the damn thing. Should have just left it. You just took the, the note down and ripped it. I know. But then I knew I had a feeling that the next day I'd have to go retrieve it. So. Yeah, if it was your route, if it was somebody else, I would have just left it there. <laughs> I know. But it wasn't my route. Like I, Like I said, I was like. I had it. Doesn't I, matter. People don't do their call tags anyway. Yeah, they never do. Yeah, working in the hub, man. That was uh, being well. Reason why I, I, I went into detail with that is because you said being secluded. Oh, being isolated. Yeah. Being isolated, right? When I went driving, mm-hmm. it was hard at first, right? You got to learn addresses. I didn't know odds and evens were on the other side. Yeah. I didn't really know north to south. I kind of. You know, I was, I was 24, didn't know too many freeways, mm-hmm. but when you go driving, it, it's a whole new, it's a whole new world that either you're going to catch up and, or you're, and, not gonna make or it. you're not going to make it. Yeah. Now you got kids with, with, with phones. Now <laughs> you could, I know people that are typing in every address. I think, uh, my brother was doing that. He was do when he first started driving, he started uh, putting in every stop, every stop. And yeah. he was way behind. I says, you got to put that phone down. That's you don't yeah. got time to do that. 
We're not delivering fucking flowers. Yeah. We're not Uber. Well, like, it, I, I must say, like, I don't know how he was trained, but, like, with my training, it was, like, I mean, it's changed a lot throughout the years. In the past five years, at least, or so, with your guys' the whole new program with the map built in. Did you that. see the YouTube? Was it a U- on YouTube where it shows what how they train now? Weren't they, weren't they flying people to Atlanta or whatever they're holding class? And mm-hmm. then there was video online where they were walking on the treadmill with the package. <laughs> really? You ever see that? No. Yeah. And then they had like a harness on them. And oh, they were like, like bending down, picking the package up. And the harness was like how, just keeping them steady. To train drivers? I'll out? show you the video. I'll look it's for crazy. it. I'll find it. Yeah, they're on the treadmill. But I know a couple of drivers that went to, I don't know, was it Atlanta or Chicago? Are you, that's unreal, dude. Take like an old school driver, like you, in who trained you? Oh, uh, this guy Robert Siskowski okay. is in South OC. Ike, in, remember in Ike? Do you hear Ike? Ike Hampton, Ike, right? Ike, or was it Ike Turner? No, no, Ike Hampton. Ike Hampton. He used to play baseball he's for the a, Angels. Yeah, he's like a catcher, I think. A catcher. Dude, he was a good teacher. I he wanted really, that position. He was a really cool guy. Uh, he, I caught him at the end of his uh, like career at UPS, like while he was training in Laguna, the facility. And, um, yeah, I, I, he's still around. Like he's like retired. He's living pretty good. Well, back then, what? 2004 till 2004. I started driving. Mm-hmm. So 2003, I took the class. Mm-hmm. Was that in Anaheim? No, it was in Laguna. And yeah. then they had the UPS school bus. Yeah. yeah, with yeah the yeah, windows yeah. and you yeah, drive stick. And that was hard. Cause I never drew sick. <laughs> A lot of people. I had to learn how to drive stick then, you know. A lot of people don't. Now my Mustang's a, a stick, and dude, I don't drive it as much anymore. I'm kind of, I mean, like over the whole stick. But it, it when I do take it out, it's nice. Yeah. But dude, the whole stick thing, like that, disqualifies so many people because they didn't, they didn't it get the concept. It wasn't ne- like they've never it, really, they it, they never had to drive stick until like your situation. Now there's no stick. Exactly. Like look at all the po- all the package cars. You don't see any of them that's uh, that were are stick anymore. You know, I, and I actually enjoyed them. I got used to them after a while because it was just the old school one was just four gears. Yeah. And you always start in second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. I had a, one time my clutch went out on a package car. And so my my on roads like you can't just keep the you can't just like get it done. <laughs> and I'm like, no, man, mm-hmm. it's dangerous. And so he can't get it done. <laughs> what do you want me to go? Fred Flintstone style? <laughs> no, it was so funny, dude. And I was like, a lot of times when these on road soups would say stuff like that. Can to you me, get, hey, I broke I would, my leg. Can you get it done? I, I would always, <laughs> I would always like, are you being serious? Yeah. Like what kind of, are you just messing with me? Are you being serious? Because like, Hey, my clutch blew out. <laughs> Can you still get it done? <laughs> oh my like, God. And so like, they were trying to tell me how to dead stick it, like where you leave it and you say, I, I pull up to a light and I can't get out of gear, but just turn it off and then take it out of gear where you can finesse it out of the gear and you can kind of cruise. And then at the light, you can put it in the gear and then you got to turn the package car off. And when you're ready to go, you got to turn the key on right. Yeah. Time but back and then, then step on. But the back then, if you turn the car off, the brake wouldn't work. Yeah, it was it was this whole menu, and I'm like, no, you guys. That's are, too I, much. I said, they're and then they're like, okay, we're gonna send you out a new car. He's gonna bring 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 an empty Ooh. car out to me. So then he comes out, he gets the package car, 
And then he comes out, meets me up. He backs up to me and we're exchanging packages. And we do all that. And uh, I look, there's no gas. Like he left the building without getting gas in the package. Oh cart. my God. So then we had to take the packages back out again. Are these guys still supervisors? No, no. <laughs> he took all the packages out. So he took the package cart back and then he ran out of gas on the way there back to the building. And instead of like maybe going to the gas station and using his own or using a credit card to get gas, he's going to drive back to the building. So on the 133, he ran out of gas. So now he's waiting for a mechanic and I'm waiting for a mechanic. Dude, it was unbelievable. I was like this. And like that was years ago. dude. Yeah. And like I think about like now, I bet you this stuff still happens. <laughs> Just not to us, huh? Yeah. Well, what what are the things they're complaining about? Excuse me. Is they have the new package cards with the little wheel, the oh, white yeah, thing on white. top? Yeah, I've seen that. It's supposed to keep the car, uh, you know, the package car in the back, cool. be in the back cooler, right? Uh-huh. So someone's already complaining and saying, why, why do they have it, have that on their car, and I don't have it in mine? That's discrimination. What? <laughs> oh my god! I said, well, obviously those guys work harder than you, so you know, it kind of goes both ways. Yeah. You know. It's like someone, someone like me who shows up to work twice a week or three uh-huh. times a week and uh-huh. complaining because I'm driving a budget and uh-huh. everyone's driving brand new, uh, uh-huh. wall, you know, wallies. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, with, uh, at UPS with this uh, whole pandemic and, uh, this Delta variant, how has it been getting bad it's there, just or? It's, no they're it, they went back to we could take our masks off for like two weeks and then uh-huh. it's, they're back on again oh, okay uh but i i keep it on and then i take it off yeah you know everyone's everyone's just i don't know everyone's just i if if they gave us an option i guarantee you all drivers won't be wearing a mask yeah well i think what i've noticed since this past summer and then uh everyone's just at the point of like they're over it they're just like well i don't care if it's gonna happen to me it's gonna happen or whatever well i said that too until (laughs) i fucking got it dude uh but the thing is these masks ain't really protecting you Mm -hmm. we should be wearing hazmat suits if that's the case these masks don't prevent anything if it wants to get through the virus Mm -hmm. it wants to get through Wearing a mask is like wearing a basketball net around around your face and throwing darts at your face. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't work. I mean, look, for example, your roommate. He got it twice, right? Yeah. Yeah, twice. And I'm sure he was wearing the, the, the yeah. N95 mask. Yeah, and uh, face shield. And now, like, so his facility was like, well, with, the, with this whole spike and everything, it's basically it's a, um, a senior living uh, elderly facility he mm-hmm. works at and so they don't have a no cases yet but recently his coworker. do they all have the shot yeah so now they were everyone's, everyone's got everyone, the shot yeah they if they're not vaccinated they can't be working for that company not wow. like that's how they're it, that's what they're going to and i understand that's a, it's a healthcare facility and that's the industry he works in but um his coworker got it, so he had to get tested. And so now they're back to getting tested once a week, every Tuesday. And his buddy had the his, vaccine. He had the vac. He was vaccinated. 
So how did he know he had it? He felt like shit? Uh, I think he said he had like a headache or something or another. And so the work said, oh, go get tested. And he got tested and he was positive. So like that there, it's like he's vaccinated and he can still get it. So regardless, you can still get it. The Delta variant, from my understanding, vaccinated or not. No, you. it's coming out now. It's not in mainstream yet. But from a lot of things I, I, I do a lot of research during the week I listen to both sides left to the right the middle the extreme and what they're saying and so a lot of stuff that I, I do see does come to light like a lot of stuff that I that I would say to some people oh you're crazy you're crazy and then it's happening now it's like everyone's on board now remember when it first happened everyone was running to guns some people were like, why are you buying all your guns? Well, I go, dude, I, I like, first of all, I like to collect. I've always wanted to collect guns. But seeing what can happen in the world, what's happening around the world with, with, with governments and terrorists, and you, once you start opening your eyes, you're going, I want to be able to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Well, now, obviously, I can't, if, if 100 people come to the house, could I take them all out? If I only just had a 38 mm-hmm. or if I had an AR, because some people ask these questions. Well, why do you have an AR? Mm-hmm. Why do you, why do you need something like that? Well, usually the people that are asking now, the ones that don't never built their own gun. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like I was never, <clears throat> I'm never a big gun person, but I do enjoy guns. Like I like the, I like guns. I like weapons, but I understand if you are like, Oh, why do you have an AR 15? Is it necessary? I'm like, you know what? It's your it's your First Amendment right to have a gun, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's freedom of speech. Yeah, first, but, well, well, yeah. But uh, and it's, it's, it's our it's Second Amendment. Amendment. It's your one year amendment it's to have a gun. Second it's, Amendment. And so, by all means, bro, have a gun, have at it. I mean, it's not bothering me as long as you're not pointing a thing at me. Then I'm fine. Well, you know, whenever there's a shooting like in Corona. Oh yeah, that, that was, movie theater. It was a girl. It was a girl and a guy that got yeah. killed, right? She had it just, was one of it was one of my friends is uh friends it was my my one of my best friends it was his friends uh son son or no closer well there it was his friends uh his friend like close friends mm-hmm. uh daughter okay yeah from which is she had just graduated high school i think they both, yeah they both went to modern day high school and yeah and that that and it was the movie they were watching it was uh that the purge, purge. Movie, uh forever the purge forever purge you watch those movies yeah dude i love those movies you like them yeah dude i know like they're kind of like uh corny they're corny but the first one was good like it was all right but they the, as they keep making more of them they push the envelope to like how much more it's like we have technology for 10K, uh-huh. but we're not going to put that out yet. We're going to make you keep buying and buying. So we'll start with regular television, even mm-hmm. though they had 4K back in the 50s. Uh-huh. And same thing with the movies. We're going to until it gets like it's like right now, Fast and the Furious. Oh, God, dude, they just went nine. to the fucking outer space. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he fucking they're racing <laughs> we were, cars in outer space now. That's we, what one of my customers told me. We I go, what, what the fuck? Did you see that movie yet? No, okay, I haven't, so but I will I, watch I, it. Okay, so I watched it. I mean, like, I don't, I love movies, and I just don't go to movie theaters anymore. It's a giant waste of time. Anyway, so, 
Yeah, I watched that one and I was like, I knew what I was going to get myself into yeah. because I saw the preview for it. I mean, the storyline is going to be awful. Uh, I mean, it was just the fact that as a, a franchise movie from, you know, I've always watched the Fast and the Furious movies. And, Me too. Yeah. And this one by far is the most extreme of like, oh, my I was like, oh, my God, like really like the, the, the stunts and the maneuvers and all this stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then. I mean, it was a corny, <clears throat> corny cliche lines, you know. It's all about family. Yeah, like Vin Diesel, his one liner is like, "It's all about family." It's, uh, it's family, you know. <laughs> it's like, dude, <laughs> and I'm like, damn, Vin Diesel's look kind of old, man. He's more like late forties, maybe fifty now. Because yeah, uh, I I watched the original. Well, yeah, the original came out in what two thousand one, like twenty years ago. Yeah, and so he's probably like. Tw- mid 20s when he was doing it yeah 25 maybe 28 but uh he, he looked old like all they all did michelle rodriguez oh like, yeah. yeah i'm like man well they come out with the one when was the last time well they they were bringing them out for a bit and they kind of halted and then it was like that tokyo drift so well that. let's see they did they just did was this nine f9 yeah so nine so every two years maybe yeah like every other year but it all changed too. With this, probably would have came out earlier if it wasn't for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. A lot of movies like were being made and they got halted. A lot of Hollywood production companies are yeah. are, are hurting. Yeah, because a lot of their revenue comes from movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And I know there's uh, Scarlett Johansson. She did Black Widow, mm-hmm. and I heard that she's pissed because she's not getting a cut because they did it theaters. Some theaters, and then they did in-home theater. Mm-hmm. She's not getting a cut from that. Mm. And she, well, and she I, think, I think she got paid $20 million for that movie, too. So I think, like, what also happened, too, like, um, Kevin Hart. There's a movie on Netflix now with Kevin Hart. It's a newer movie, I think, called Fatherhood. Mm-hmm. It's basically about how his wife uh, passed away at mm-hmm. birth while giving birth to their child. So, he, so I think that that was a Sony movie. Mm, they and, sold it and they sold it to Netflix mm. just to get it out there because it wasn't going to. Did you it, watch it? I started watching it, dude. But I was like, I can't watch it. Like, I can't see Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart being serious. Yeah. Like it was just like, yeah, I know he is serious. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure he behind can the scenes be. he's serious, but his character is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just he's always played that like role really well. It's always fit him. So yeah, he's a comedian. Yeah, <laughs> he's the only one that can sell out football stadiums. Yeah, he's no a, one else can. I was uh, I was watching them. I went to recently saw Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan in Vegas in early July. So you saw you seen you seen them in in Vegas. When did you go see them? Recently, July 9th. Oh shit! So I saw that. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it's pretty crazy because, well, my my brother was telling me about it. And I'm like, oh, they are. And he's like, and he and I, we always go to these like shows. But have you ever seen them before? I've seen Chappelle. This would be like my fifth, fourth or fifth time. Mm-hmm. And um, Joe Rogan never. Like I, back in the day before he got really big, he was actually performing at the Ice House or mm-hmm. somewhere in Fullerton or Anaheim. Uh, like small type of venue. Really? They yeah. have could be the comedy stores are around yeah, there. Yeah, there's an improv and Bray Improv. Yeah, Bray. There's Bray think, Improv, and, and there's then, a some house. Yeah, I think it was called the Ice House or where was that at? In Fullerton or Anaheim, right off the freeway. Is it still there? Mm, I don't know. It could be, but who knows where? 
Anyhow, uh, I remember I was going to go see him, and his tickets were like $10, $15. And I was like, the UFC guy? Like, you know, this is before mm-hmm, I, like, mm-hmm. really cut. Like, he had just had his podcast starting, and I wasn't really into it that, that much yet. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what year was this again? I want to say, like, 15 years ago, dude. Maybe 10. 2010? Yeah. No, wait, we're... No, I'll be... 2008... But, uh, yeah, I heard about it. I was like, and my friend had an extra ticket. And I was like, nah. It was, it was on a Sunday, too, I remember, because I had to go to work the next day. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not going to go. The thing, I'm like, man, I should have gone. And uh, so I was pretty excited when I saw, heard that these two guys were coming together. Yeah. And it's funny. I didn't realize how close of friends they actually are. Well, they met, they met at the comedy store. Yeah. They or met. the Ice House. I forgot where they, where they met initially. Met, but they would go all the time. But. They're in their twenties. Yeah, they're young. I think he was he was twenty. Who's older, Chappelle or Rogan? Uh, I think I want to say uh, Rogan. Yeah, because Chappelle was twenty four. Because he started. And I think he was really twenty eight. He started comedy. He was like fifteen. Who Chappelle? Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty interesting guy. Like you know, his his mom would take him to to comedy spots to do uh, stand up. It's pretty crazy. Like who what, what mom would take their 15-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid? I thought that was uh Kevin Hart. Didn't they do the Kevin Hart? No. Well, maybe, but his his Chappelle's mom would take him. To, would take him. Yeah, when he was a teenager. Well, I have all the Dave Chappelle shows at home. Mm. I I used to watch the show all the time. Yeah. I had everyone. But how they met though is from th- through through comedy and then one day Joe Rogan was in New York. He said this on his podcast. He's in New York, and back then Dave Chappelle was doing a show, the the, the Chappelle show, mm-hmm. and he was doing the one where he wears the fake mustache, and he rates boobies throughout New York. Oh yeah, New York boobs. Then we rate New, yeah, York boobs. New York boobs. And then Joe Rogan came through, and he seen him. He goes, "Dave, what are you doing?" He goes, "I'm doing, I'm doing a show, Dave. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm doing a show, Joe. You want to be on the show?" <laughs> and then he was like, "Well, I only, I only got a couple." I got, I got like someone to be in like an hour. He goes, no, you, it takes 20 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they did it. And I remember it because I have the, the seasons saved. But he says he that's how he got to start doing the Yeah, because yeah, he also did the whole, remember the Fear Factor parody? Oh, yeah, he did Fear Factor. With, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? The, the Joe, the was he in the skit? Joe Rogan was, because at the time, Joe Rogan was yeah. hosting for Fear Factor. Mm-hmm. And so Chappelle played, um, God, I'm brain fart. The character's name, not Ashy Larry. <laughs> it's the dude, the crackhead. <laughs> oh. He's always like this. He's like, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, he eats everything. Yeah, gosh, I am. Uh, yeah, my brain, uh, my brain uh, blinks brain out fart. all the time, dude. On when I get old, podcast. man. <laughs> no, it's not getting old. It's just the mics and the, the cameras and uh, all that. It, it takes a little bit from. We're trying to do our best here, you know. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, just relax. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. He'll come to you. He'll come to you. But so you you went to go see them. Oh yeah, so. I forgot where we're going with this. No, so. well I seen Joe Rogan too, mm-hmm. and I seen Joey Diaz. I love comedy. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I I I love comedy. I love to laugh. I don't laugh enough on this podcast. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Everything just seems to be serious and going through tough times, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I mean. This is the way the podcast has leaned to. But yeah. when people know me personally, once I come out out of here, I'm going to go upstairs, probably have a drink and, and laugh and just relax. But, you know, 
Tell me the experience, though. How was it being in? Where, were, where, where uh, was the was arena? At the MGM Grand. Okay, was so it the I theater or the arena? I, uh, the arena. So how many people does arena fit? Do you know? God, I don't even know. I think it's, it's the, like sixteen thousand. It's just huge, man. I don't think it's twenty-four. But um, it was set up like a whole like boxing ring type deal, like you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like right in the center and how they stand, and so they were kind of like they move around a lot like they walk around you know they don't sit they just kind of like work the floor in a sense mm-hmm. so uh yeah it was like got there early doors open at seven so i guess they're having issues with it in the past because like you know people getting in and whatnot well but, they want everybody seated yeah because that way they just kind of get this because they're going. just talking it's not a rock band yeah 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 but initially i guess um the night before Thursday night was they were giving out masks with the I guess Joe Rogan on it mm-hmm. and all the people that were showing up for Thursday show like apparently the security was telling me like Derek oh they didn't want the face mask they wanted the Chappelle face mask because on Dave Chappelle it's like it's got his name on it like his whole logo with the C on it and so I thought that I was like yeah that's kind of messed up like you know Joe Rogan just how many like, people do you think were there for Joe and then for Chappelle oh I think a majority of them were for for Chappelle mm-hmm. I, I know they're you, all different like, subcultures yeah I know but it's it was it's quite interesting because I was looking at the people and it was a big melting pot of people old young I mean all races white black Asian like it was like and I can kind of see like you're at like your question I can see their demographic mm-hmm like a guy like Bill Burr, you can see like what older like forties white guy, mm-hmm. you know that's like his demographic. Mm-hmm. But he there, but he's got a lot of fans. Like, but majority that's like you can see that group at the audience and you're like, oh, they're here for that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people actually walked out on Chappelle, like while I was there. Really? Yeah, be, because like, you know his jokes. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know he doesn't really hold back. And he went on his whole rant because, you know, the LBGTQ, Q, yeah. whatever. And he calls them the alphabet people. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, they all love me, but the only ones that don't like me are the T's. And he mm-hmm. goes in on his whole rant. And I don't know. I think a lot of it, like, it bothered some people, the audience. Or maybe they just had somewhere when to I, go. When I took my lady to see Joey Diaz at the brand problem, it was my second time seeing him. Uh-huh. I, I learned from Joe Rogan because when I started listening to his podcast, he had just started. Mm-hmm. I had my own route. It was all residential route. Mm-hmm. And I got tired of listening to music. I could only listen to music certain. I mean, for 12 hours, it was insane. I can't be that pumped up. Mm-hmm. Then I got to switch to genuine to slow me down. And I start <laughs> crying. It's like, fuck. And so I came across the, the podcast thing on, on the iPhone. And then I was like, Joe Rogan, that's the fear factor guy. And then, uh, no, no, my bad. I was like, oh, that's a UFC guy. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that commentates. And then, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's also the fear factor guy. And I didn't know he was a comedian. Yeah. I didn't know. A so lot of when he, didn't. so when he, we were in Vegas, we did a trip years ago, mm-hmm. at least 10 years ago, me and my lady. We seen uh, Joe Rogan and Joey Diaz. I wanted to see both of them because he would have Joey Diaz on his show mm-hmm. and he was fucking hilarious. He was truthful. Mm-hmm. He spoke from the heart and he made it funny. And so when they were both in Vegas, like oh, we're going, this is when, this is when Nick, uh, Nick, Nate Diaz choked out McGregor. Oh, okay. It's the first fight. So okay. I don't know if that was 10 years ago, 
maybe eight. It's probably eight years ago, I'd say. And so he, he <clears throat> I remember he choked him out because I put money on Nate Diaz. And I was like, okay. So anyways, Joey, Joe's okay. He has he has his sense of humor, mm-hmm. and, and and people like it, and it, it was okay. But I laughed more with Joey Diaz, yeah. and even Joe Rogan says they had, uh, one of his podcasts he just had. He had the owner from Black Rifle Coffee, can't mm-hmm. think of his name right now. But he was asking Joe who's the best comedians right now, and he said one of one of them he said was Joey Diaz, mm-hmm. is, is probably one of the best. Yeah. So I seen Joey again in Brea, mm-hmm. and that's when I got to meet him. He came up to me, shook my hand after the mm-hmm. show. Patted me on the back, mm. and it was. I was already listening to his podcast already. Mm. Joey Diaz, dude, that that's one of the. I think he's so funny. But I took my lady to watch, and I thought she was gonna get cringy because he does talk about some dirty yeah, shit. Yeah, he gets pretty raunchy. Yeah, he gets pretty raunchy. Yeah. Well, my lady was cool, but yeah, some people did walk out. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> oh god, I don't know where like. I don't know if we'll get in this conversation, but like this, not saying this whole Me Too thing, but uh, cancel culture. And so it, I think it's funny when people are coming at comedians mm-hmm. for saying some raunchy shit yeah. that they sh- it would, shouldn't be said in everyday life. But I'm like, these people are comedians. They're here to make you laugh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and if if they gotta drop a few f bombs to get you there, then by so be it. But it's like you gotta know what you're going into. And it's like so if you're gonna go as a fan or a person, then why would you go and heckle a comedian that's there to make you guys? Laugh? I hate when they finish a joke or like those guys that go to the movies and and they've been there twelve times, seen the movie, and they start repeating yeah, the sentences. I like, know that bothers me. Like they finish their joke, or yeah, they'll, they'll add on after he does the they, he yeah. does a joke. It's stupid. It's Shut like, up. Dude, like, especially now, like so that was the first time me going out since this. Well, to something in an mm-hmm. event, to since this whole pandemic. You know, June was my birthday. I was gonna do something, and I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to be around all these people or just go out to a bar. You know, like I haven't been to a bar since this whole thing. And even now that we can go out and do things, I still don't know if I want to go and sit at the bar and just have a drink unless I'm with people like a group of people. But yeah, even then, no, it's I've like, been doing the podcast and going home. There's bars just, all around it's here. It's so weird. Like it's like and everyone's like, oh, what would you do this week? And I'm like, oh, I just stayed home, man. <laughs> like what is mm-hmm. like oh you can go out and i'm like yeah but i don't want to go out mm-hmm. you know like i only go out if i necessarily need to mm-hmm. and that's that vegas trip was like my trip and just to go out and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm vaccinated mm-hmm. so i'm not worried about getting it but it's just like i have really no desire to go out and do shit like that anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. did you get covid twice uh the second time no but your roommate, roommate did. did. Is he yeah. still your roommate? Yeah, yeah, we're still roommates. So that second time he got it, I didn't get it. But regardless, that was I, he really out for fourteen days? Was it tough? Yeah, he actually was sick, and I thought he was just like, yeah. I'm like, dude, you're just hungover, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. I thought, dude, you're just hungover because he doesn't drink. He's not a heavy drinker, but it was the it was a Sunday, so the night before we had drink, mm-hmm. and I'm like, eh, you just hungover, and then. uh that Monday, he was like, he looked bad. Like, he looked pale and, like, and he was like, I could, we have stairs going up to the bedroom. Mm-hmm. up and, and he was, like, having a hard time with that. And I was like, oh, I'm like, great. So, luckily, no, I didn't get it the second, like, when he got it the second time. 
But uh, yeah, during that whole time, the second time he had it, and I was quarantined with him. Dude, and all, <laughs> well, he didn't drink, but all I did was drink, dude. Mm-hmm. This was in November, December last year. Yeah, when when did you leave? Well, UPS. What what month was that? December. December. Yeah. So yeah. I had a quarantine like the beginning of December. And so, yeah, man, just started uh, doing that whole time being quarantined. Just drank every day, dude. Kind of like it was like, oh, cool. Because before all that, mm-hmm. you know, we were UPS drivers have crazy hours, dude. It's yeah. Like, it's so draining. And so like yourself, you got time off recently. And so it's just nice when you have that time off. How did it feel, man, when you didn't get your job back? Well, like getting in, getting into that with a whole, like building up to it with the whole situation, uh, me coming into work and, uh, with all this suspicion and whatnot and, and yeah, yeah, not getting my job back. Uh, it kind of sucked, dude. (laughs) Like Mm. I thought for sure, uh, I thought for sure I was going to get my job back, Mm. but it was going to be a lot of, um, contingencies in a sense of like, you know, maybe like a probation period for six months or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and it just, it didn't work out as planned. Like I, I really didn't like how the union helped handled it. Like in a sense, is that the new, the new, I had a, a guy help Nick Bruno. Okay. I don't know the deal now. I don't know if he's still the union guy or not, but like, so like it was, it was Good in a sense of how they were trying to handle it. Do you think it could have been held differently if there was a better representation? If I had Wayne Addison, dude, I think it would have helped a lot more of how to, he, he would have handled it differently. Yeah. But he was at the time. Yeah, he wasn't there. Like he's he, he probably months before that mm-hmm. him and Roberts. Yeah had stepped down mm-hmm. i don't know i wasn't really paying attention like how what happened but he was no longer representative yeah which i was kind of bummed about but i had some other guy that didn't know me just looked at my file he, he saw that you covid twice okay he doesn't uh, i mean like didn't know him personally and i'm not saying i gotta know the guy personally but it always kind of helps mm-hmm you know, like like I said, like a guy like Wayne. I wish I had Wayne in my corner at that time, but I don't. He might have helped a little bit more, but who knows how it all would have played out? I I really don't know. But when I didn't get my job, I was pretty you know pretty upset, and yeah, I got a little depressed, you know, and then I started kind of drinking again, and it was just a whole roller coaster of shit. You know, like I was just like, what am I going to do? And so luckily, I mean, I was able to find another job and uh, just get back on my feet. But yeah, with with re- with representation, I think it, it would have been a lot different. Yeah, because because you're not a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. We all like, make mistakes. Yeah. I've made mistakes. I yeah, could have lost course, my job a hundred thousand times. You yeah, know, like like there's all like. My, like fellow drivers, I I know there's so many other people that are doing a lot more worse things than I'm doing. Yeah, well we can't and, uh, <laughs> we can't we can't say anything like that. I know. those are our brothers and sisters. I know. That's what I'm saying. But like I'm just saying, like I hope they learn from my mistake and they say, "Wow, that guy," because like 
if it can happen to me, they can happen to them. And so like a few of the people I do talk to, and I know I'm like, hey guy, be careful. Like just think of what would that like be like you know, a lot of, and a lot of these guys have they're married with kids. Well, we got sensors now in the car. They know what everybody's doing. What more sensors? Yeah, we got sensors at all. We like, got sensor we got a new new box. It's a sensor. Oh really? It, it it's not a camera because it's illegal to, to videotape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the state of California, I don't know how it is everywhere else, but they're sensors. Mm-hmm. So they can sense like somebody was drinking a water bottle and I guess they were drinking it for too long while they were driving and the machine told them to put your water bottle down. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. If you slam on your brakes too fast, because it's a green dot uh-huh. in the middle of this little computer thing, mm-hmm. green dot. And whenever you do something, the green dot and either left or the right turns red. Mm-hmm. So it'll start going red like Knight Rider. Oh, Remember gosh. Kit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts Little doing LED that. It starts making, dude, it makes all kinds of noises. So, Every time I do something, it makes a different noise. I go, what the fuck did it make that noise for? Now I'm driving thinking, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> I think it's because I park on the wrong side of the street sometimes. Oh. You know, I walk around, so I put the flashers on, yeah, yeah, yeah. get out, and, you know. It's but, more safer to do it that way than it is to park on the right side and go right, you know, you're. I'm trying to save time here. Yeah, but every yeah. time I pull off, it would make a noise. I'm oh. like, oh, I think they I think they know I'm driving on the wrong side of the wrong side of the road. That's crazy. I man, like just think about like where we are today where, with the with the black boxes and the new sensors on the trucks. Mm-hmm. What, fifteen years ago they didn't have that. But progressively they've been doing is doing these technology like technology to use because of the situations drivers the employees have put themselves in or have gotten themselves in like i remember before i started driving like i was a part-time driver and all the old school drivers would always talk about back in the day they would be like man we would all meet at the park have lunch. one guy would bring the meat we'd barbecue we'd play basketball they bring their lawn chairs like they'd be and then one driver's like yeah i would go home and sit next to my, at my pool and this and that and as time has gone on, I, the company is like, wait, you guys aren't being efficient with yeah. your time. And yeah. you're taking time from this and there, that. When Ed first came out yeah. and they can track where, you're, where you are with your dyad board, yeah, then there was a driver that was going from Fountain Valley all the way to Anaheim Hills. Oh, my God. Your Belinda, my bad. Your yeah. Belinda. Yeah, that's just as Every far. day. And, they would, and then one time the uh, supervisor, part-time suit, he goes, he goes, look it, look at what you're doing. He's been on the show too. Uh-huh. Look at it, look at this guy. And I go, fuck. I go, he went all the way over there, uh-huh. and like it just sees this big old line, uh-huh. and then the line come back. So he was going home for lunch. You know, so if well, you're wait. doing that, you might as well. Here's an extra 20, 30 stops. Now these guys are always complaining that they they got work all. They they're working hard. Yeah, well, so like with that, like so, it, those guys recently ruined it for us. <laughs> For you guys, like, you know, not say you ruined it, but where they were saying like, well, with that from Fountain Valley to Anaheim or Yorba Linda, that's that's a far drive. That's like, what, 15 miles? Yeah. 20 miles, maybe? Yeah. Each way? Trying, yeah. I mean, they got dealt with. Trust me. Yeah. They, they, like, so all this new technology there. It's there for a purpose. Somebody's going to get. And it's for the company to basically like Big Brother to watch you. Well, Not look like at watching, a lot of people drive with the phone still yeah, in their ear yeah. while they're working. Who does that? I, see, I don't know, I've but I know people bus, do it. I've seen a bus driver doing it. I've seen the trash man doing it. The trash people, they have the sensors. They had uh, it first. But it's like in the end, I understand it's for safety reasons or safety reasons mm-hmm. and production reasons and 
it's for them to like observe and see you guys like all the time do you think it's another tool to fire discipline yeah drivers? discipline too because you know like be honest like they can't be everywhere at once be, it's too much they dude. can't be everywhere at once they're all over me yeah like and then it's like every every day somebody told me every day i walk in i fear for losing my job <laughs> i go why i, hate I did but they're not doing and anything bad know, though that's like, the thing i i felt that way for a while all the time and then after a while i just ca i stopped caring mm. i was like bef before like probably a good six months to a year before uh not getting my job back i i felt like oh I well this is how I this is how i think and i tell people i said i go as long as you're doing better than Sandman, I go, you're safe. You know who I'm talking about. No. Oh, yeah, Sandman. <laughs> yeah. I go, yeah. if they can't fire that guy, I go, just follow whatever he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting guy, man. <laughs> Everything's by the book. Yeah. Anyways, I don't want to talk too much of him. I'll, I'll probably yeah. get sued. That's why I don't say <laughs> names or anything like that. It's funny. But... I just, I hated to see you get fired. I wish I would have known. I wish you, uh, somebody would have told me. I would have tried to do whatever I could for you. Yeah, it was. A, you know, I, but we do have bad union res representation right now. Yeah. There's a lot of people that, that you weren't the only one that lost their jobs that probably could have had their job saved. Really? Yeah. That There's sucks. a lot of things going on within the union. Me and yeah. Phil, we started our own union podcast. We do it once a month. Uh, missed last month because of. Uh, scheduling and everything yeah. but we we're working on we're working on strengthening it again we'll get it back but i agree with you i felt if we had different union representation we could save a job because look at man everyone makes mistakes yeah and i mean like we all make mistakes like you said and it was like my first offense and i mean it could it really depends on how they want to play it you know mm -hmm. and I mean, luckily, no one was injured. No one got hurt. You know, it could, I guess, it could have been worse, the scenario. But at the same time, it's like, like I said, I, I, they could have suspended me or some kind of probation. I, and, I, and that's what I was thinking, you know, plus the amount of time I was up with the company. I mean, I, you mean to tell me I made it this far with the company to get here and then all of a sudden decide to do this or this to happen if i was gonna do that i would have done that in the freaking warehouse you know those kids would always you know do stupid ass shit in the warehouse to get fired you know they'd steal stuff and whatnot but yeah but with that yeah the i hope it does get it it does get back to being stronger the union because as I see it, it just keeps getting weaker and weaker. And uh, a lot less people caring about it. Whereas, Well, this before, is the problem. A lot of people ain't, ain't caring about it. And if they are caring about it, some of them are, are backing up people that don't know haven't really doing. proved themselves yet. Yeah. I hear stories from everybody mm -hmm. that come and tell me about the, this new, all these people that, that, that started you know that took over mm -hmm. or well, let's just put it this way the people Jimenez put into place because mm -hmm. we can say that okay Jimenez put these people in place I haven't seen anything positive coming from that yet. and that's the people from the new slate right yeah 
And then how long? That was like in the past two years? Uh, They're going to run again in another year, I think. So they've been in for three years now. No, it's, each, it's every three, right? They're on their second year. Okay. Because I know that. Okay, yeah, it was a. It was right around the pandemic time, I think they came. Grant only lost by a hundred. I think it was like a hundred and sixty-one votes. You know, I, with with that's him, that's not a lot. No, no, it's not. Actually, I, Grant like was a guy like he actually got things done. Well, the reason why I support him is because when I was going through my my tough times uh-huh. and my addiction and my problems, I know that okay, I need to go. And talk to someone up up top because to me this was something important i want to make yeah. sure my job's protected and there's a lot of things and so i didn't go to shop stewards there's no disrespect to them yeah. they were good but I, I needed more i needed a little bit more advice so yeah. i went to the business agent which was grant at the time mm-hmm. and i asked him a question it was a legitimate question and he tells me he goes i don't have that answer for you but i will by the end of the day and you know what? He would call me back. And it happened a few. It didn't happen once. It, happened, it had a, a couple handful times, mm-hmm. no more than a handful. But he always came back with an answer, an answer where I was able to make my own decision and, and go about what I needed to do. Because there are, are a lot of a contract, yeah, but there's a lot of loopholes. Mm-hmm. Just like in, in America with the, with the laws and everything and how they, they have loopholes and how to beat taxes and all that. Mm-hmm. Same type of stuff. But... He was always there with an answer. Yeah, I know. He's a. I've called. You know me. I've called, mm-hmm. and wouldn't even get a call back, or maybe two days later. You know that I don't have too many experiences. I don't want to have to deal deal with them. Mm-hmm. But for people that had to deal with them, I know there was grievance. There was a grievance supposed to be filed and never got filed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we got to give them a chance, right? Yeah. And I'm willing to give them a chance, but everyone tell, telling me things they're not doing it. And you happen to have to go through that with this. Yeah. Well, actually, going back with Grant, like I had my experience with him like that. He's a pretty straight up guy. Like if he didn't if he didn't know the answer to something or he didn't know he and he wouldn't just give you some BS answer, he'd mm. find out for sure and get back to you. Yeah. And he always got back to me. I never had to go and hound him like, hey, so, you know, what's the deal with this or that? Because I know that, you know, they're busy guys mm-hmm. being a business agent. You're not the only employee, you know, with, with problems. But I guess overall, like, I mean, I guess I'll just come clean with it. Like, basically, I had lost my job at, through uh, toxicology, showing up to work. Drunk. Yeah. But honestly, I wasn't, I still, I wasn't drunk. Like, like, if I was that drunk, like, why would I show up to work? But anyways, that's the whole different thing. Um I don't think I'd, you were drunk. I think you were just, just hung over. over. Yeah, all, I was hung were. over, and I drank a lot the night before. And it was literally like two days before Christmas. So it was around the holidays, you know? Mm-hmm. I was pretty excited. I was like, oh, my family. You're going to see a family and all that stuff, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was my first day back from quarantine. And so, basically, that whole incident happened. They had to do this whole toxicology testing. They take you to the clinic. Mm-hmm. They do uh, urine and blood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, obviously, my numbers were pretty high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for, I mean, high enough where the company was like, "You're not going to take you back." But prior to my all that, I had the union had suggested that I 
I go to a, a sober living mm -hmm. for 30 days mm -hmm. and to complete the program to show UPS how serious I was taking, mm -hmm. taking this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so, which I did, I went to the program. I've never been to a sober living, living never, ever. And everyone that I've talked to, they're like, you've never been like, I'm like, like, does everybody so go? it's not a rehab it's a it was like a sober living like halfway house yeah well initially you go to detox the first step is you go a week 10 days through detox by yourself uh no there's other people there it's a house it's like a sober living house but it's a detox what do they it's do for the house. did you detox yeah they they basically they they you go in they, and they assess you and <laughs> I didn't know what coming into it. What I like, so I, they told me to pack for a week. So I thought I was just gonna be there for a week, in a program, and it was in L.A. So I just decided that day. I think it was day before. It was before Christmas. All right, yeah, before Christmas. I was in a rehab, mm -hmm. and they were the union was like, okay, you gotta if you're gonna do this, you need to do this now, you know, and. and they were like, you know, they're going to start the paperwork and this and that. And like, I guess me doing it, I mean, it was kind of halting the, mm -hmm. the quote unquote terminating. Me. Yeah. So I went and did that. And um, so in the beginning, it, the, the first week is detox. And then they assess you. You get in there. They do your vitals. And, all and who's and paying that. for this? The union? Uh, my insurance. Your insurance. Okay. Yeah. And so. Uh, they do all that and I'm 42, three and everyone there in their twenties, they're all there for fentanyl. Oh yeah. They're fentanyl. 25, yeah, 25 and younger and, and everyone 30 and above all alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, and so going through all that, they would give us medication. Um, I forget what they were giving me, but to, wing myself off alcohol because i didn't know it but you know we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break i'm gonna shut down the i'm gonna shut down the youtube mm -hmm. i'll be right back folks yeah so we're back sorry uh want to take a quick piss break shut down the the video part of it the reason why i do that is because it's it's a lot of data I got to upload and, and it takes three to four hours to upload a video so it's a lot easier for me to just do do audio so it's a little treat you know go catch it on, on video if we want if you guys want to see my fat face and uh, Akosa's but bald head yeah bald head but <laughs> but going back so so you you got fired let go. You went straight. They told the union told you to go straight into yes. rehab, which you did yes. the day before Christmas. Yes. Continue on. So going through the detox, jeez. Uh, Ten uh, day detox. Okay. It was supposed to just be a week or so or something like that. But so go in. No idea what's going on. So they throw you in a room with somebody like a, like a, you have a roommate, like mm -hmm. a bunk buddy, basically. Mm -hmm. Don't know this person or not. And you got to realize all these people are in a rehab program for whatever reasons, mm -hmm. like fentanyl drugs heroin meth meth is mm. like i'll get into that later <laughs> but like dude so like this is shit i don't touch i'm just like i'm just i'm a drinker that's, that's, all, that's all i do you know like so i go in there but these people are kids like they're younger than me but 
they're just coming off of whatever and you don't know what it is and they're all grumpy yeah and it's like but they're young though and then you walk around them and they're like zombies and it's like they don't come out of their room only to maybe eat oh yeah food food we had three meals a day there was a basketball it wasn't like the way i'm explaining it, it wasn't like a fantastic facility like it was it did its purpose but it wasn't a complete shithole and so like going through that it, again we're isolated were people screaming at night yeah really and like ah, and then they, they wouldn't be like yeah. they'd be screaming and we'll get like, try to get off meth they were having <laughs> they were having nightmares and shit and so like you know again i was in a room with a guy i don't know what he was doing i don't know what his deal was but he scared me you know and i'm a pretty big guy mm-hmm. but this guy scared me mm-hmm. like he wasn't right in the head and i'm like rock dude I actually asked one of the, the counselors, I'm like, can you just put me in a different room and just don't let him, you know, like, because mm-hmm. people were sneaking in all kinds of stuff, dude, when they're coming in. Really? Especially the females. It was co-ed too, mind you. And usually from my understanding. Was the hot pro- chicks in there? They weren't hot, really. I mean, they, they at one point, I but think if, they were but hot. But if you're coming down, you need endorphins. And, yeah. yeah. So. There were a lot of the uh, co-ed and I was like, and a lot of p- couples coming in together. And I realized couples that go through programs like that, never they, they don't change. make it. No, because one wants to stay clean and the other wants to relapse. And so one wants to really take it serious. Mm-hmm. The other one will relapse, it and they just go back to their old patterns. There were so many people leaving these programs like that, especially the detox. And what I, I learned, how many people were, were in at that this place? facility? Yeah. Uh, I would say 22. Damn. So uh, yeah, two per room. And it was a, a three story house kind of deal. There was a chef and all this other stuff. But, um, a, a lot of it with people, I don't know if you know what body brokering is. Water I broker body brokering. Like what does broker, that mean? Brokerage of bodies, human beings. Like yeah. So I learned, like, I learned so much in there. And these kids were teaching me a lot. Mm-hmm. They were getting paid to be in these programs by, like, a sponsor. So say you. Like, so they're kind of celebrities then? No. Inter- no. In, uh, YouTubers? No. They weren't, like. What sponsor would sponsor? No, not like that. Like, I, I was, rec- you are the recruiter. You're mm-hmm. recruiting people. So you're, like, okay. So. I refer a person, the person referring of people to these programs and they complete the 30 days, they get like 10 grand. They get like, so 10, what, so grand. what are they? So what they would do is say, Hey, I need you. They're already an addict. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're going to relapse mm-hmm. for a week. I'll put you in a hotel room. I'll pay for your drugs. And when you guys are done partying, you and your girl, I'm going to get you in this program. You're going to complete the 30 days. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you half of what I make. So if he makes 15 grand or whatever, and he's going to give him five grand for 30 days. So it's just a big cycle. Yeah. Uh, Are facilities like that? There's a lot of them. That's the one you went to. The one I went to and it opened my eyes and I never knew about it. And all the people there were like laughing. They're like, you've never heard. I'm like, bro, I'm 43 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm alcoholic. I've never been to a program. This is my Mm -hmm. first time. And Mm -hmm. they're like, this is like my 10th treatment. And they're 22, 23. And I'm like, how long have you been going to treatment? They're mm-hmm. like, since they were 16, 17 years old. 
And the drug of choice was fentanyl. Because they always say, oh, DOC, drug of choice. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and so we would always sit in, in, in groups every day. And then we go around and they say, what's your DOC? And they all fentanyl, heroin, meth, whatever. And come to me, I'm like, oh, I'm an alcoholic. And they're, oh, that's the worst. I'm well, that's the worst. I'm like, I'm not overdosing on fentanyl. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to overdose on booze. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, maybe I could. But I'd have drink a real a lot. What's the percentage of people doing that? I don't know. They, and that's dude, vicious a, cycle. There's, there's a there's, that's something I never knew that. There's a document. There's a documentary on it, and they just made a movie um, called Body Brokers. It was with Val Kilmer's son. Body. Where's Body Brokers? Where can you watch it at? Uh, I think I watched it on Hulu. Okay. Or Netflix, but it was interesting. And it's a and it really it, it's an eye opener the whole thing how the, the industry how it works. And how like it pays now to be an addict and to be in these programs because it's it's big money. So like each person equals X amount of dollars mm-hmm. in these programs. Were you guys allowed visitors? Uh, not until like the halfway point after um, after 30 days because they didn't want people interacting because they're worried that they're gonna sneak in drugs. Or whatever it is. So they try to have to show to play the part. Yeah, yeah, they they kept kept us all kind of well isolated amongst ourselves. And so basically we were How come no one's just busted these people yet? So they're giving people that are in there yeah. thirty grand or the, whatever. Or these kids are getting paid. And we're and there's no paper trail for that. No. So they're just basically paid. So the doctor shady. Well, they all shady, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all shady. Like they're all like like it wasn't like I, I felt like the employees that really cared for the people were the, the ones just starting out in their careers. And the ones that have been doing that job for a while were just kind of like, I don't care. This is your routine. Take your meds. Now go eat. If you don't eat, if you don't comply, you got to go to your room. Like they would like inspect our bedrooms, like, you know, for, for paraphernalia. And because us guys been here 10 times. Yeah. I know but, he's but making they, money off. But of they're not, they're, they treat everyone the same. So I'm in the same boat with all these kids. Mm-hmm. So they like they they test us every day, you know, if we're any high, getting high. So or they whatever. have to go through it. Yeah, we have to go. So they're probably giving them suboxin. Suboxin, yeah, that was one. Suboxin, uh, dude, yeah, it was, was, uh, was quite awful though, man. Well, like, it is a vicious cycle. I didn't know about suboxin until I decided to get clean. Yeah, and I needed help. It was too fucking much. And then yeah. see suboxin, and then I and then at one point I thought. Well, what's going to stop me from getting high in the street? And then if I can't get it or I want to take a break, yeah. I could just say some boxing. I see the vicious cycle and that's what they're doing. Yeah. And I honestly, it was like, like I've never been to jail. I, when I was younger, I went to juvenile hall, but you know, you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, after that experience, when I was a child, I was like, I'm never coming back to this place again. i like in my whole life. I'm like, I would, not that I wouldn't make it like if I had to go to jail, but who, mm-hmm. who wants to go to jail? So mm-hmm. that's how I felt with this program. I was just like, I, the longer I was there, it made me realize how normal-ish I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, I wasn't as extreme as some of these people and their stories. And it was pretty, it was an eye opener. And it, it, what led a lot of be, these people becoming addicts, I took from, it was always trauma. Mm-hmm. Some kind of trauma happened in their life. One guy that was an alcoholic, we're, we're friends. We still talk 
um, he was in the, he was in the, uh, in the army, mm-hmm. and he has PTSD big mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. really big. He's six four, two hundred fifty pound guy, and I remember it was New Year's, and so with the fireworks going off, dude, he couldn't sleep that whole night because it just reminded him of war, mm. the because it was in LA County, so out there it was just like Fourth of July, it was just like boom, 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 and dude, he couldn't sleep, so he had to take something for. He had to take it. They had to give him an ambient to sleep. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he had trauma. But like again, and these kids. Well, the war just brokerage, making more money than us. Yeah, but I'm talking about like people out there are basically doing this body brokering stuff and this system of uh, these sober living houses. And then a lot of times, it's it, you may think they're doing it like a lot of people are like offering like, oh, I can get you help. Uh, they're not really doing it at the kindness of their heart. They're getting paid, you know, like whoever I fr- I'm not going to bring his name up, but the union person had referred me to this program. I, I finished the program and I'm like, and the guy he got in touch with, he's like, Oh yeah, I work with him all the time. And so I'm like, wait, you're telling me he sends you guys all the time. And I'm like, so he gets a referral fee. So the guy that mm. referred me through the union, he got paid for me for completing the program. I don't really have a problem with it, but like, so say as long as I get my job back. Yeah. I just want to get up. my job back. Tell me who it is after the line. <laughs> yeah. I got yeah, to look his name up. But, um, it will like, again, he was like, I can't guarantee you're going to get your job back. I'm like, but it could help your chances. I'm like, okay, fine. Whatever. Anything to increase my chance to get my job back. Yeah. I'll do it, dude. Mm-hmm. And so I took it seriously. Like, you know, and I was okay. I was really into it. Following the program. There's a gym there. I worked out. You know, I had a set routine. And it got boring because it's like, it kind of, it's kind of was a point. I couldn't leave campus. Like, I couldn't leave the site. Like, but it's like, oh, well, if you want anything, you know, oh, I had to do Uber Eats. If I really want something else different, which really sucked. But did you go through a withdrawal, though, the 10 days? Did you feel anything or was it just like, no, whatever? I felt it like I completed the program when I was sober for like 45 days. And then I went home. I came home and like it was like, OK, but well, while I was there, Do you I, have any symptoms. Yeah. Like from drawbacks from from detoxing. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Like, you know, I was just real fidgety as irritable. Like, you know, it's like. I don't know. Like it's, it's the thing. Yeah. That, cause, cause coming down from alcohol is different from other, there's different side effects yeah. from all the drugs. I alcohol. felt, no, I, f- I felt really healthy. I felt really good. And I still do. Like I felt the healthiest I've ever been. And I was really well rested and I was like, okay, like, you know, do you feel it was something you needed? Yeah. Yeah. For very much so because I mean, I was drinking like pretty heavily. And it, I didn't realize it, you know, mm-hmm. well, a lot of people don't Well, because like, you weren't even going to work. Usually when you go to work, uh-huh. you know, hey, I can't, you know, I know my limits and go to bed. Yeah. But you were coming off a, a two week bender. Yeah. You know, and you, you I just say it as business as usual, like whatever, yeah. no big deal. And like when you're just w- uh, surrounded by one other person, your roommate, you know, they're not mm-hmm. really like watching your every move. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, not taking up excuses, but so anyways with that. No, it's just the, the whole process that you went through. So you went through, you finished the 45 days, mm-hmm. came home, came and, then, home um, and then you had to wait for the, panel. Yeah, I had to do a whole panel meeting. 
for to get my job back mm. with the union reps um with the 952 mm. on my side mm -hmm. and i thought it was going to be in person but it was actually over uh, zoom yeah like you're in a conference room mm. with people which is the union teamsters guys mm. and then it's the i don't even know who i was talking to to be honest with you on the screen there's so many faces on that screen and so they represented my case they you know said on such and such date this incident happened or whatever and um basically took it from there mm. went back and forth but to be honest with you like i i, I had the vibe that it wasn't going to go my way because what did they say you already uh, you already tested positive for covid and then mm -hmm. the two weeks the the next time you had to do two weeks you yeah they know to be honest, they didn't even bring that up they didn't bring it up. they didn't even bring that up uh they straight went into it and he basically my union rep he read something basically he must have just pulled off the internet about addiction and he read this whole thing about addiction for probably a good five, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like how, like, you know, I, we all know what addiction is. Yeah. Yeah. Idiots. I'm like, yeah. Okay. But like, it's just going on like how it's a, you know, it's a slow the painful disease. death. It's a disease and so on and so forth. So like, uh, do you have any, you know, like they went back and forth and then what the, the test results and whatnot, uh, just put out all the evidence and, mm -hmm. and honestly, I, I like zeroed a little fight left in me because mm. like I can just tell how it was going to play out. Like I was feeling it because the way he was making it more or less like about my addiction problem than making showing that like what I have done at work mm -hmm. and it was a one time mistake. Like, I don't know. I, I just didn't like the angle of the way that he played it because to me, to be honest with you, like I, I know the company looked at it and they said it's a li he's a liability. Like, do we want to take another chance with this guy? And so I I don't know. I don't really don't know. Like, you know, they what they say when I wasn't there because mm -hmm. I was only there for so much so much of it. So, um, do you think if you're a better driver? Not saying you are. You weren't. Uh -huh. I think you're a great driver. Uh -huh. I think you try to follow the the. the laws and the regulations and, and being a safe driver mm. being safe if you are one of those ones that weren't because to do what these drivers are doing smashing routes incentive and yeah, getting yeah, it yeah. done do you know there's corners being cut yeah, yeah yeah do you think if someone like that went through what you went through i went on a bender got drunk uh -huh. came back to work all this all happened do you think they would have a better do you think the company's going to look at that and go Give them their job back? No. You d or they I, just no, no, no. I, I don't think they did. I, I, so at one point, I thought I did. I thought that way. But to me, honestly, like, I hate to say it, we're all replaceable. And maybe, maybe there was something like they just, like, well, like, I'm sure they're probably like a house's attendance, house's mm -hmm. performance, and so on. I don't think I had performance issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we ever did, they tell us. You think they looked at maybe your ethnicity? Um, how, you know, a lot, of, a lot of okay. So a lot of people because yeah, you're Indian, right? Yeah, Native American, Native American, Puerto Rican, proper way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like a lot of my a lot of people around me were like, you know what? Especially that guy. Who were the people in charge? A lot of old people, white people. Yeah, they're all white. Yeah. Oh shit. So, uh, no, no, but so it's like just people around me were Racism. telling me that. Dude. I'm just kidding. And I was like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to go down that. I'm not going to go that avenue 
with this shit, you know, like. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not going to spark it and, and go on that. Yeah, it's not big like, enough. For yeah. me, like, you know, if that's what their decision they're going to make, fine. But, you know, for me, I was like, well, I did the best I could on trying to get my job back. You know, like mm -hmm. as much as like, you know, I was there for 15 years. Uh, again, I was very optimistic and hopeful coming out of the program. But going into that meeting, sitting there, I just had a feeling and I was like, this is not going to go my way. You already knew. It, like, and I wasn't being pessimistic, but I Because usually just, when you when they're about to fire you and you have a problem. Uh-huh. And you really do. You go in there and go, hey, I need to talk to you guys in the office. Yeah. And you but, go, I have, a, but, I have a problem and I need help. Yeah. See, but that's not how it happened. Like, could it have happened that way? It could have happened that way. But like I said, like truly, honestly, I, did, I didn't feel like I was drunk. But like they were like, whoa, well, he's well, not. But the numbers came back. Yeah, right? yeah. But they're going basically on the numbers. But this, the whole suspicion of it all was like, well, uh, he's acting kind of weird. <laughs> like what do you mean? Mm -hmm. That's just, I'm no, I'm normally weird, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm a weird guy. Like, do you people, think you were targeted because of the second COVID? I don't know. I don't I know. couldn't like to be honest with you. I don't know how or why they gave that suspicion of me being under the influence. Like you know, I wasn't like bumping into the walls and stuff and falling on the ground. Like you know, maybe they smelt it on. They me. probably smelled it on. It you. had to smell it on. Oh me. yeah. It smells if you don't drink. Yeah. Like, yeah. Especially like, it's like, dude, I've smelled people like in the past coworkers mm -hmm. and you get a whiff of them. You're like, Whoa, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, but they probably smelled it on me. That was basically it. Like, like, I don't know. Like who, like, it's like, it is what it is. That's how it played out. But like, I always think like, who would believe with me? Like, Dave Chappelle has a, spit, a bit of be like, I never thought about talking to the police while high. He's like, why <laughs> would I get high and talk to the police? You know? <laughs> so it's like, my, my thing too was like, why would I get drunk then go to work? You know? It's like. Yeah. But. You're, yeah, you're on that four, 14 day pit bender. And it was just pouring out of you, man. They probably, you probably smell like a fucking brewery, brewery, dude. Yeah. Cause like, I was like, you know, again, I wasn't leaving the house. Like just didn't have shit to do. So I basically shit just caught up to me, man. But, uh, overall, I mean, I have it pretty much under control now. Like yeah. before as before I'd be like after, after a long ass day at work, dude, I would have to at least have a beer. And then, you know, mm -hmm. depending mm -hmm. on how your day goes or went or how you feeling, then I'll be like, oh, I'm going to take a shot. All right. Well, take, start drinking another beer. Mm -hmm. Before you know it, you're like six, six pack, 12 pack down. Oh, I do drivers. They don't work there anymore. They're knocking down 24 packs a, a day. Yeah. After work. I go 24. Dude, I go, the most I could drink is two tall cans. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, you know, like, it, it got to, like, my norm to be, like, I can do this every day after work. I can't. The next, if I drink more, more than two, two, uh, two tall cans, maybe a couple, a couple shots. Yeah. Now, I go, like, I, no, I'd rather not drink because I, you know, now it's like, I can't go to work feeling like shit. Yeah. I might not be under the influence because I only had a couple beers. Yeah. You know, I didn't drink a whole, uh bottle of fucking jd yeah you know but some i know alcoholics in the neighborhood that they would the only way for them to get the day started is to smash a 
a big old bottle of Bacardi Gold. Yeah. The fucking jugs. Yeah, I, I wasn't that bad. It was basically my helper. I realized he was a full blown alcoholic and he was hidden. It was hidden from me. He was drinking vodka. And so you really can't find smell vodka. Mm -hmm. uh, you it, can, but so when I part, bad. so I pulled the trailer during peak season, mm -hmm. pulled the trailer and I would back it in. And then he, I taught him to un unlock the, you know, raise the, set, the, it, the, up yeah, set it up. And then I would be sorting the car. So when the, the Christmas Eve, he didn't show up. I had already known that he was drinking. I didn't know how much he was drinking until I had to do that with the trailer. I went and looked up because you back up against a fence and mm -hmm. it's like a, you know, a fence within the bush mm -hmm. right there. And I looked under the bush and all I seen was these bottles of empty bottles of vodka. Damn. Shooters, dude. So he was knocking oh, down like four little, shooters. Yeah. Those little airplane dude, bottles. He had to be, dude, there was literally 50 bottles there. Mm -hmm. So he was already getting started. Uh, before he started working, but uh, he was in jail. I think he got arrested for like five times for DUI. Oh, wow. I think after the fifth, he had to serve jail time. And then I he had to go to the third one now, isn't it? Well, this is years ago. Oh, okay. But yeah, he was living in a halfway home. I was giving him rides home after work. Mm. Uh, I don't know where he, after, uh, he missed Chris because I caught had caught him. I go, hey, he, he started yelling at customers. He probably uh, he, I, he says in withdrawals, he would be shaking because, yeah. you know, alcohol is a, one of the drugs that if you withdraw from really hard, you can die. from. Yeah. And that's why they were giving me medication because you can't just go. Well, they give turkey. you hell, dude, I forgot what it was. But you just took it. Yeah. I mean, uh, go to Raxofan or I can't forget the name of it. Did it. But uh, do you think you could have done it without it? possibly to be honest with you with everything like even my smoking like i've gone i've cut back quite a bit you I couldn't smoke over there no you don't that's that's all they, they were giving us cigarettes dude <laughs> i'm serious like they were awful cigarettes but they were free but that's all you can do so we're all addicts you so. should just be a broker a, a, bot, a body <laughs> body broker why don't you just be a body broker <laughs> dude? Yeah, dude, just, dude it's too much work to be like yeah, really? it could be like a side hustle, maybe. <laughs> but like, you know, but How much are they paying? You know, thirty grand every yeah, time per person. It was like twenty grand or so. Like so, like so they're getting fifteen. No, they got to be giving them ten percent or twenty percent. They're giving maybe. like a, like five grand. And there was a guy there that was recruiting girls, like to come out. He's like, hey, hey you want to come? I can, we get a hotel room for a week, score some blow. And do all this and party for a week. But you got to go to rehab. Yeah, for but, 30 you days. Got, but you got to relapse. You got to leave this program and relapse. Get high. Get on drugs again for the week. I'm going to do I'm going to do an, I'm going to do an exclusive <laughs> exclusive investigation uh, because I know how to play the game. I, 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 you know, I could have like, gone to rehab. I did it. Yeah. I was close. But but, but I'm just going to do and do an uh, exclusive investigation. Bring one of those cameras. <laughs> You know, <laughs> deep, cover, the, the, yeah. deep cover, briefcase. Yeah, deep I'm going to go deep, <laughs> deep cover. cover. <laughs> Gax goes deep cover. You know. Uh, so you're trying to say is all I got to do is get a whole towel with hookers and cocaine for a week and then relapse and then come back. And, yeah. that, and that person pays you. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. Give you five grand. You could do as many times as you want. And then this guy was like, he made a living out of it. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Because he's like, I it's either that or I live on the street. He's like, here, they feed me, 
But you have to be recommended by somebody. Yeah. So that's why they, yeah. people that are working, like in how you were recommended. Yeah, you, like somebody like in the system. I can't just show up and say, hey, pay me. No, you, they got to have like a broker that sets it all up. So I need to find a broker. Yeah, dude, it's nuts. Like it, it's been around for quite some time. And like, Oh, I'm sure. There's I, a lot of scams out there. I, because they asked me, so how much are you making to being in this program? I'm all making. And I'm like, I'm not making anything. I'm trying to prevent from losing. <laughs> I'm trying to like <laughs> get clean. Like, but like, I, like I said, like, but so the guy, this kid, his name was Chase and he, he overdosed. And he, that's why he finally was like, I'm going to take it seriously. He was, he's like, you know, they Chase, offered, you take it seriously. And he's like, uh, uh, I turned down the money. And so he wanted to get uh, clean because of his overdose and while he was there i guess his girlfriend had gotten in the same program as him and so they both were kind of getting he had like three months sober before she came in and she came back into the program and they both ended up leaving to go get high again so they both relapsed together so he had how long was he there for for 30 days now three months three months so 90 days and so like he was clean and he was really taking it serious like he wanted to get back in his parents good graces because a lot of these kids their parents are like either they have their parents or they don't but they, this kid's situation his parents were very supportive and they were just like we can't deal with this anymore you're gonna in jail or you're gonna be dead and those are the two places and like i said he was a young man and uh he has a whole future ahead of himself so they both they relapsed together how'd you know they relapsed together well they knew that program they're like we're leaving we're leaving to get high <laughs> they said it you know so they got paid by somebody to relapse to go get high and start the whole thing over again but he ended up overdosing again and he died Holy in, the, shit. in the hotel room and so his girlfriend came back to the program after that and everyone's like where's chase where's chase and she told us what happened and now she's like i want to take it serious because my boyfriend just died an overdose and this and that i'm like so who's so who's giving them the money i don't to know get the who their broker is but i'm like bitch you're the one who made him relapse but i mean i can't say she's the reason why but it was a big influencer you know he, he you're they're alone they feel lonely. They're isolated. They're scared. They don't know. Sobriety scares so many people, especially these few people have been addicts for so long. Like it, it's just it's they don't know. They don't how to really, be sober, how it is to be back to being sober again, being normal, because I always tell them, like, you guys weren't always addicts. Like, you know, we weren't all addicted to anything when when we were children, not until like, you know, Everything's Our, addictive. Yeah, it is, dude. Everything. Weed. Sugar. I know people that, that smoke weed all day, every day. Sugar. And they're functioning dude. people. <laughs> but it's like, have you ever just been sober for like 10 minutes? Yeah. No, well, it's not bad for you. It's, it's, I, yeah, yeah I guess, but who, I don't want to be a stoner. Yeah. I, and that's always the biggest argument I've always had with, you know, by my family, family members. A lot of them are like, are like to smoke weed and the other half like to drink. So the weed smokers are always like, oh, well, you know, 
you're an alcohol pointing the finger and you're like you're an alcoholic you're an alcoholic like, it doesn't well, you, matter how about and I'm like you you smoke weed well it's not as bad as alcohol and i'm like dude i don't care yeah but it's you're still, still puffing su- away it's a, it's a substance and it yeah it's a it's a psychedelic too yeah it alters your mind me it help it helps me write it mm. helps me think yeah but i don't need it all day long it's all something day, at the end of the yeah. day when you're re- relaxing you're having a beer you're writing in, in your book you're working on things and every some people could drink coffee and, and yeah. hit a cigar pipe or mm-hmm. chew tobacco. There's many ways, but once you start doing it, not just every day but all day, mm-hmm. and that's just a like a Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> like, it uh, becomes dude, a problem unless like, you know wake and bake. I have like family members that do wake and bake. Like, yeah, oh, wake I can't. No, like, what I do yeah. that? I'm fucking. I'm done going into work, dude. <laughs> yeah. So this uh, this whole experience through the whole rehab and everything it was it's pretty intense. Um, it was just interesting to see all these different people interact, and we're all there for the same reason because of our. I'm doing. I would do air quotes like addictions. Yeah. And our addictions to what we have in our life, and then honestly, like, it came down to it. Like a lot of people there were like the counselors and stuff. They're like, dude, I don't think you're an alcoholic. Like, and I'm like, tell him like, well, I don't like to label myself an alcoholic, but I do like to <laughs> drink to excess when I do drink, mm-hmm. I drink to excess. Like I can't like have one drink with somebody, you know, just one or two and they're okay. You I, gotta I, just, I, you gotta go. I keep all going up. and like, you know, if I'm like, oh, I don't have shit to do tomorrow. I just fuck it. I drink. I met people like that. I know a lot of people like that. Yeah. Cause like, and then like being in that program too, made me realize how much I, my life revolved around drinking, especially in my weekends. Like I'd lose my weekends. I'd be like, okay, I'd do my laundry, clean the house, do everything I mm-hmm. would take care of that. I need to be done. Mm-hmm. And guess what? That Saturday just get shit faced because that whole Sunday, the next day, I would just lay in bed, not doing anything, but just drinking water or going to drinking Gatorade or whatever, you know, or a lot of people would be like, or a lot of people would be like, Hey, hair of the dog, keep drinking. Sometimes I'm like, all right, especially in football, football's down Sunday, start drinking more beer. Just, and then, all right, right back on that, uh, white horse, man, you know, Yeah. <laughs> and it's on then that white horse too. And get back on it and, you know, I'll get all drunk for Sunday. And then guess what? Monday, next day. Like, oh, be all hungover or whatever. And be like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to call in sick or, you know, whatever, you know, like that's. But with with that, like it just really being in the program, they always made it realize what we can be doing more with our time, being more out there in the world, productive, functioning people. But with anything, alcohol or any other substance that you're on, it just it doesn't do it. Mm. You may think like for that time you're being kind of productive but you're not mm-hmm. you know like it just interferes with some your life so much mm-hmm. and you don't realize it so like going what was your what's your what was your favorite drink uh gentleman jack gentleman jack either jack jack or gentleman jack either one mm-hmm. i would bounce around from time to time sometimes i'd go to vodka i'd go gray goose because after a drink, from my experience, I'm drinking so much of the same thing. It just, it takes more for it to get All me drunk. All alcohols have different highs, though, huh? Yeah. So, like, the, like 
vodka would give me a different high. But I like the Jack Jack Daniels because of the 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 sting. Like it was just like it's a pretty rough drink, man. <laughs> a lot of people can't drink it, and no, I used to drink Jack back in the days. But like, and everyone's like, "Why do you drink that I, cheap shit?" Like, and all dude, it's like, well, if I drink every day, if I'm buying like a fifty dollar bottle a day, I'm like, dude, that's an expensive <laughs> habit. Damn. But if it, no, but I'm saying it like with Jack, it's like twenty bucks, and I'm not drinking a bottle every day. Like I'd go every other day. Like you know, there's days where I'm like, oh, I can't, like, I. And just skip I know. It. That's why I don't buy bottles anymore. I like I drinking know, like, Fireball. I I bought one one time, dude. And that thing went quicker. I like, oh, no more bottles. Yeah. Then I've tried doing that, and that's what I've done with like my smoking. Like I'd be like, okay, well, I only have this many cigarettes, and now like, okay, I've been drinking. Now I'm not gonna get in my car because I don't want to get a DUI. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I just have these two for the day or the night or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, and so it's like, I like that. Like I've noticed the more I buy and it's available, the more I drink, the more yeah. I smoke and like yeah. food, the more food and like, I just eat, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. but, uh, trying to fill that emptiness, huh? Yeah. And they, they went through this whole, with that program, it was kind of for me, like I didn't always buy into every group meeting we had because we had different instructors for every different topic. Mm-hmm. And it really helped in a sense because it really to for everyone to open up and actually talk about why and how or what they're doing. And the main focus, they were just wanting, making everyone aware of their decisions that they're making. And with this, it's, it's an addiction. Yes, it's a disease, mm-hmm. but it's like, how do you want to from moving forward? Once everyone leaves the program from that sober living, how are you going to live out in the world? Because a lot of these kids, they don't know how to pay bills. They don't do their laundry. You know, it's like stuff like that, like functioning people having jobs for mm-hmm. long. They probably have a job for months on end mm-hmm. and then get fired or whatever. They steal. They go, they bounce around from job to job. And that's why they're in a position with that sober living. Like from not living to not be living on the streets. And I was really sad. And then. I'd say I think they said out of out of 10 people, only two people stay sober. Yeah, so it was like it's hard 10 percent, 20 percent, if that. So they said that and they're like, there's 20 of you here. So there's only possibly at max four of you going to stay sober. And I kind of laughed when they said that. I'm like, why would you guys say mm-hmm. something that discouragingly to them? But it's it's good for them to know because they can really say, hey, I can be part of that group of the 10% mm-hmm. or the 15% that stay sober, you know, and every single person from the program I keep in touch with. Do they have good jobs? These, a lot of these people? No, no, dude, they were kids, but the older individuals, all the, all the alcoholics had mm-hmm. good jobs. They had businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy was a truck driver. He lost his job because of COVID and his wife, he lived in Vegas and his wife, picked up the extra slack with an extra job and he started receiving unemployment and guess what he was doing while the wife was out of way at work drinking sitting at home watching tv just sipping on beers taking shots sipping on beers and then she'd come home at, at night or during the nighttime he had like his own like man cave so he wouldn't make any noise so she can sleep so 
and then she worked from home. So they were never really in the same room at the same time. So uh, what made him go to rehab? Uh, his, his wife and his mom, they were like, you, you, you have a problem. You need to get help. And so like, so he did it for his, he loves his family. So he did it. Damn, uh, wasn't no nicer places in Vegas. Well, I guess with his insurance, dude, people were coming from like Oklahoma, Tennessee, all the way out to like where I was at. And I'm like, dude, like how, how are they advertising this? That's weird. Yeah, it was. You gotta so, give me the name of the place. Yeah, it's. I I wanted. I kept a journal for it for a little bit, but I lost lost interest of doing it because I was like, I need to remember. Like, I mean, if I had brought that journal every day, every day was an adventure, dude. Every day something was going on in that house. It was like the real world, dude. Mm-hmm. On MTV, it was just a trip. And now imagine putting addicts in these scenarios, dude. Like it was just a trip, dude, and that's why. And there's only twenty of you guys. Yeah, and that's what I said. I was like, I swear, like they should make a. That's what I thought. I said, I told my friend, they should have made a reality. They've made a reality, a reality show of it, but I don't think they probably do, dude. There's so many on like A and E, like Hoarders, and those are those intervention show, Mm -hmm. and then oh, then they try to make us get like watch intervention as a group. And I was like, what? A bunch of addicts mm-hmm. watching a show about addiction. And then I would have been, you well, need fucking help. <laughs> you need fucking help. Yeah. yeah. And then like one of the guys, one of the patients just blew up. And he, you, you fucking assholes. Like mm-hmm. this is supposed to be making me to go use. He literally, mm-hmm. he, he jumped the fence mm-hmm. to go get high. Like it was, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it was bizarre, dude. And I'm like, Wow, what I'm is, not I'm not I'm hot. not jumping over the fence to, to go get, get a, a bottle. Shot at Jack. Yeah, I'm not jumping the fence to go run to the bar, but there's different levels of addiction, and and that's why like I I look at the, I'm like that ah, that's a bad dude, like I'm not in their shoes, but I'm like I can just only imagine. But there were the guys that were the real heavy drinkers were waking up. They say they would wake up and they'd be shaking, and then like they'd have to drink. To make them feel normal, to calm their nerves. They had a supervisor like that. You know who he was. We won't say his name. Uh, he would always. Huh. Uh, yeah. So it just reminded me of that Nicolas Cage movie, uh, about leaving yeah. Las Vegas. And then I saw that recently, and I was like, Man. "Oh, that made me cry." Oh, dude, I couldn't watch. I should it. drink a lot in my twenties, dude. I'd be in Vegas waking up shaking. Yeah. But the thing is, you're so you, when you're that young, you're able to kick it, no problem. Mm-hmm. You go back, work for a whole week, wait mm-hmm. till Friday to have a few beers. Yeah. But when you would go on vacation, you would hit it hard. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I would wake up, shake it, but we were so young. But if you keep doing it for so many years, years, yeah, years, your body. Years, once you get in your 40s and 50s, then it becomes a real problem. Your well, body, yeah, your, 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 your body liver, needs more time. Your liver, your kidneys. There's long side effects from it. You know, like I. I didn't start drinking late until late in my mid twenties, like mm-hmm. 25. I mean, I had a few drinks when I was younger, but I never did it as a, like a normal thing. Mm-hmm. And then probably like 25 up, I started like regularly drinking and like, what was the nationality I, of people in there? Um, a lot of white, one black guy, two black guys. 
Oh, are they funny? Yeah. <laughs> I used to call him B. Shaw. He looked like a Brian Shaw. Yeah, from the Lakers. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was melting pot. White. A lot of them were from, like I said, like from Tennessee or Oklahoma or that's weird North Carolina, and like they were like just happy to be. They thought they were gonna be like in like Hollywood or whatever. <laughs> it was like freaking in um, Sherman Oaks. Like it wasn't like anything like great it was like the suburbs it's like being in orange county really mm -hmm. and, and i'm like dude there's so many freaking sober living do you facilities. drive yourself there no my roommate dropped me off okay but i was like there's so <laughs> many like sober living and halfway houses in oc why did they send me all the way to la i could have been right here in oc you know but yeah i wasn't allowed any visitors until like a certain point but at that after the 30 did you have any visitors no after 30 days i only had like two weeks left and i was like you know what? I'm going to be out in two weeks and I don't really want to see them, see them, have them see me in this place. Cause like I said, it was just a pretty dark place, man. Cause every day, like, you know, like we're, we're there, we have to do group meeting. We got to do like, it was like, not like a cult, but it's just our routine of like every day. <coughs> and, um, it just sucks that you had to go through that. <laughs> To not knowing that as soon as you're done, they're still going to give you the can. Yeah. Like, how do I know? Like, it's, it's almost like kicking a man when he's down. Yeah. Like, I, actually, if I knew that was going to happen, which I didn't, I, I probably wouldn't have done the program. But it, it was good for me to do it to see what, what it really looks like. The real, like, hardcore addiction. And so, well, I mean, with that, like, it, it really cooled me out on my drinking. Like, it made me, like, seriously check myself. And. A lot of my friends and my family, they knew how much of a heavy drinker I was. They've, they've said stuff to me, but when they said stuff to me, I didn't really listen. I was like, yeah, like, whatever. You know, they didn't really enable me, but they, they kind of looked the other way. Mm -hmm. So now that I had gone and lost my job, this had caused me to lose my job. Yeah. After 15 years, it was like, fuck. This is like, this is awful. So I took over that and uh, moved forward. I mean, I got a new job. Just uh, put it behind me so, and yeah. just learn from it because. So, uh, yeah, you got a new job. Mm -hmm. That Because I know a lot of people that have gotten fired mm -hmm. for drugs and toxicology. Toxicology yeah. is the proper term. And I don't know if, the, if this makes me bad but i know a lot of people i don't yeah, know if yeah. that makes me on the same category as them <laughs> i've been through my my problems mm -hmm. in the past and i don't know man it, somebody told me because i don't want to give names out i don't want to talk too much about mm -hmm. personal but in general when i i talked to a lot of people from different buildings and one person told me when i would tell them stories he says Man, ain't nobody like that over here. You know, when it comes to drug abuse, oh, partying. Dude. And I said, no well, maybe way. you're just not in that you realm. You just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, you don't know. And you, you don't honestly don't know. Like, like, you know more people from just in general, you know more people. You're more talkative. You're more out there. Mm -hmm. So you know more people like drivers. Co you know hell of a lot more coworkers than I did. 
Yeah. You know, and we, you know, and I was always trying to stay low key and it wasn't because of my drinking. It was just me because like, I just didn't really interact with a lot of co- coworkers, mm-hmm. certain individuals. Yes. To yourself. Yeah. If they were parked next to me or whatever, I wouldn't go out and just randomly go up to a driver and be like, Hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Introduce myself and start talking to them about whatever. Cause we're always like it, it, with that. It's always go, go, go rush, rush, rush. But well, well how's so, your, how's, so, so how's well, your new job now? Just oh, to go back to that. Okay. Like, so you're saying that um, when you talk to other people and you tell them stories about other drivers or whatnot, and they say, Oh, that doesn't happen here. And they're not in that realm. Mm-hmm. They don't know. And it's right in front of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just right there in front of me. You mm-hmm. just don't know it mm-hmm. until something happens. And it's always until something happens. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh, shit. And then by t- that time, it's too late. Yeah, because there's people that know all kind of, everyone's drama. Mm-hmm. If I talk to certain drivers, everyone knows. Oh, I, was like, yeah. I didn't even know how it was this bad. Mm-hmm. But it's none of my business. I just, you know, I just. But it is. Uh, an issue you know they got more technology in the cars which mm-hmm. some people said it's an invasion of privacy to the company it's for their safety you can yeah, argue like, both sides yeah like i, I personally know? wouldn't i wouldn't care and i, I like i tell someone like uh, and then they ask someone asked me like why wouldn't you care because they were i think it was around the time they were talking about cameras in back of the truck mm-hmm. and like oh that's the invasion of privacy i'm like dude who cares i'm all it's their truck it's yeah. their equipment. Like it w- I'm like, and I said, like, what are you doing back there? Yeah. What are you worried about? Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. like if you got nothing to worry about, you wouldn't care. Yeah. And I get it. Like it's evasion of privacy and whatnot. And mm. it's change the topic. It, it's kind of like with this whole, you know, that you see that it's making a, a vaccine man- mandate. Oh yeah. Vaccine. Mandate. And we talk about, we talk about vaccines yet. No, no. We, <laughs> we kind of briefed that. on it, Yeah, but the, the, with the vaccine mandate and people are like, protesting against that and whatnot and i'm mm-hmm. like fine i don't care don't take it if you don't want to put it in your body and you don't like being told what to do by all means don't take it but you know there's people out there that are you know they're like okay i'll take it like you know like i want to live so you know? what's next and after I'm that like, i'm we gotta gonna get say, a booster shots now yeah i don't know where they're gonna go with all that dude because you know that people with vaccines uh-huh. They're contracting the Delta variant. Yeah, they're getting and it then, too. And they're spreading it. Mm-hmm. I thought the vaccine was supposed to eliminate it. Where, you know, vaccines like measles, mumps, mm-hmm. chicken pox, where we get those vaccines at kids, we can never get it. Mm-hmm. It's eradicated. I thought this was going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. But what's the point of getting something and then it's just you you, you can you're get you still you're not going to have a harder time. Yeah, it's like taking a half a Norco or taking well drinking a half a beer. Well, I won't. I'll feel half as hungover mm-hmm. the next day if I just do a half. Yeah, the same thing in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, it's it's all still new, and that's also the their argument of people. Well, look at people took it because they want to go back to normal. Yes. They don't want to wear a mask anymore. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of we could do a percentage on that. And mm-hmm. some people did it because they had underlying health issues. I can agree with that. Some people are older. Your immune system's a little bit weaker. I can agree with that. I can agree with all, all those down the line. But I thought it was supposed to eliminate, eradicate it like measles and mumps. Mm-hmm. 
It's not. You can still get it. It's just the percentage of you getting hospitalized. Uh, smaller. Go, it goes way smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can get it, and you can also spread it. Spread it, yeah. So now we're not getting rid of anything. We're just bouncing it around like ping pong. Yeah. Pretty much. And for what I'm hearing from other sources is that people – so now people are spreading it. People are getting it. I, I, you got vaccine? Me too. I, I got COVID. Yeah, me too. And the next person isn't get doesn't. And he's getting it. And just, we're just spreading. Yeah, it. like I said, my my cowork my coworker, my roommate's coworker got it. And then at that point, they're just saying change, changing back to the policy where it was before. Yeah. When it first started, they're they're making them wear their whole like hazmat bodysuit. Before it was just a face mask and a face shield. Mm-hmm. But now every time they go into the patient's room, they're, they're putting on a whole bodysuit, like a hazmat suit. Because the only way that those the patients are going to get it are from the employees. Because mm-hmm. the employees are the ones out there mm-hmm. running around, you know, gas mm-hmm. station, grocery store, whatever. And however this stuff's being spread. But yeah, uh, I'm not against it. Mm-hmm. It it's their belief to do get the get the shot or not, but to to have to like in New York you need to pass a vaccination to mm-hmm. to show it's like what's the point if I have the vaccine mm-hmm. I'm still gonna get Delta I'm still gonna transfer it so what's the difference between being non vaccinated it should be our choice mm-hmm. <laughs> I I never realized how many people were like I. That I knew, but we, I never. Really I got COVID. I almost. I called nine one one. Almost died. Non non vaxxers. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm no, not no, a vaxxer no, no. at all. Just, yeah, I'm just saying. There's like a, people I follow on social media, and then they're just out there like, well, you know, it's my right. <laughs> it's my right. And they're like, and I get it. Like, like I said, but I'm just like, if we were all to get the vaccine, we would all st- Delta variant will still be around. We still be transferring it. Mm-hmm. It's just protecting you, you know, guaranteeing you're not going to feel like how I felt for two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't see it. What's the point now if one person wants to, why they make it into an issue? Mm-hmm. It's almost, it, it just seems fishy to me. You know, my, my family, everyone's vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to get vaccinated. I wanted to see more research because I knew I have antibodies. When I got it, you're gonna get the Johnson and Johnson. Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna get. <laughs> oh, don't I get definitely jo- don't want to get COVID don't, again. Don't get Johnson and Johnson. Man. I definitely don't want to get COVID. The wor- again. That's like the worst one. Like, so before I went to Vegas, I was like, uh, I need to get like vaccinated for sure before Vegas because I'm gonna be around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the show was mass required. A lot of people were upset about that. I'm like, you're going to be sitting in the dark in the audience. Like, you can take your mask off, like, without, you know, just because they say that's mask required. Like, what are you going to do when you're going to drink, right? You mm-hmm. got to take your mask down if you're going to drink your beer or eat your hot dog or whatever. I know they were doing tests before no, that. No, no, the smaller shows. Like, I think the smaller shows that they were having, they were. But now it's getting to the point, like, L.A. County, mm-hmm. you got to show your card. You got to show proof you're vaccinated. And that's in L.A. County. And I'm like, dude, it's only a matter of time. It's going to end up in Orange County. Like everything. Orange County's. Uh, we follow yeah. L.A. Basically. Do we? That. Yeah. From last time, from the very beginning of this all. It's going to be pretty bad. Yeah. I know people that don't want to wear their masks, dude. Yeah. And even people that are not vaccinated aren't wearing their mask. 
Because how are you going to go up to a perfect stranger and like, hey, let me see your card? Like, show me What's your card. What is like, it? Yeah, here. Here's my card. Yeah, it's my like, fist. who the fuck? You know, who are you to, like, I'm vaccinated. I still wear my mask, dude. Like, when I go to the grocery store and and whatever. I think once you get it, I th- it. It, you're protected. It's like when you remember you used to get the bad flu back in the high school days. Mm-hmm. I had it so bad. I thought I was going to die, but I was so young. I was able to beat it, mm-hmm. but my parents didn't take me seriously. I had to call my lady and she came and I was like, I can't breathe. It was, it was bad. Uh, I got better, you know, like five days, a couple days, but I never got like that ever again. Never. Mm-hmm. Every every winter, I, I come down with a little bit of something. Um, don't feel good for about five days. Uh, so when I got this, I felt like once I beat it, because, yeah, you can't just lay there. I had to force myself to, to hydrate. I had to force myself. I started taking vitamins I, that uh, I wasn't taking before. I was like, okay, let me, let me get some of the uh, a C-complex uh I got the other stuff at home. It's just, uh, so you, you probably lost a lot of weight. I too. lost 30 pounds. Yeah. I was going to say, I lost a lot of weight. Yeah. I lost like, 30 pounds, dude. Yeah, and I, uh, like, I knew if I didn't like, it's almost like withdrawing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If you're withdrawing off of something, you're going to get severely dehydrated. Mm-hmm. First, you're going to have diarrhea. Then you're severely hydrated. You start cramping up because your body, your body needs something that you're not replenishing it mm-hmm. with. Same thing, but with drugs, suboxone, yeah, opiates, it, I don't know about meth or, you know, Coke. Yeah. I think you would just get agitated, you know, but going through that and then going through COVID mm-hmm. was almost similar. Mm-hmm. But on this, on, on, on the COVID side, I was more like, okay, I've been through worse. Mm-hmm. I've been through worse. I can get through this, but it was, let me tell you, once I got to day 10 and you're sitting there and it, and it goes, Oh, you think we're done yet? Here comes your lungs and your lungs start closing up. Then you can't sleep. And it it almost resembles withdrawing from opiates. I mean, there were times where I was sitting there going, I don't think I'm good. I felt like I was going to get better. Hmm. It just stood for a couple of days. I mean, you're talking about 14 days. And once that 14 lifts, hmm. they had it down to a certain, the same days. 14 days, you'll start feeling better. It was the 14. They would call me. The uh, Orange County Agency was calling me, asking uh, when they first got the test results. They said, "What? where were you? What were you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then you tell her you fell. And she goes, okay, you're, you got infected on this day. Uh, anybody you came in contact between these two days, tell them you're contagious. Uh, how you're gonna, how do you feel? And you tell them this, she goes, okay, you should feel like this for five days. Mm-hmm. We'll call you back in five days. And after the fifth day is when my lungs started closing up and she, they, they called back and it says, how do you feel now? And I go, I can't breathe. Are you okay? If you need to go to no, I go. I can, I can, I can breathe, but it's I, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, just let us know. And so they call me back again on like day ten. No, day I think it was like day two, day five, and day ten. And after day ten, after I had called nine one one, they the ambulance came, the fire department. They did all, all the stuff on you, oxygen intake. Uh, Everything was normal, but I had an oxygen reader, and it said, "It said, uh, if you go be like below ninety four percent oxygen intake, when you know when you go to doctors, they put it on your finger now. Mm-hmm. Anything under ninety four, you, you need to go to emergency." And uh, 
Dude, I got down to like 84. Oh, shit. And that's when I freaked out. And I told her we got emergency because I was reading it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I was in normal, normal, normal range. But once I got to like day 10, mm-hmm. day 9, it was so bad, dude. I had to put it on and checked it. And I was like, we need to go. So I tried to get up and go. And I couldn't. I couldn't breathe. I was so weak. Never been this weak in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, fuck, dude. This is this is bad. And then we go. I go to get my clothes on. I go, you know what? Just call 911. You know, I was like, just call 911. So she did, and they came. But I thought that was it, man. I was like, dude, I, I go, it's going to take me out. Because if you don't start getting better after day 10, they can extend. And people have been sick longer than the 14, the 14 days. Yeah. The average is the 14 days. Mm-hmm. Standard, I guess. Has um Has anyone, like in this past year, any other drivers in our world center that have gotten it besides yourself? Not the way I had. No, uh, Juan. I'll just say his first name. Older driver. Mm-hmm. Now he'd probably be cool with me. We talking about it, but I heard about him, mm-hmm. and I came up to him and I told him, "I go, hey Juan, I heard your experience is really rough. I go, I just want to let you know I went through the same thing, dude. Mm-hmm. It took me like a month to get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to work." Three weeks later, and I told him, I says, hey, look, it, I'm super weak, dude. Like, this is – so they hooked me up. They gave me one delivery. It was 500 pieces mm-hmm. with the guy's help. But I did three pickups after that. But I remember driving in. It was like 3.30, and, mm-hmm. and I'm hurting, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to pull over just fall asleep. That's how much I was out of it. And uh, it just, and then after that, your body starts building up. Yeah, it's like but the way, the, but when it hit you that hard, I was scared. I did a whole podcast of COVID by myself. I said I was scared. You know, now yeah. am I acceptable to getting it again? If I do, without the vaccine, you know, what are the chances of that happening? Yeah, you know, I mean, my body had to build some type of immune, immune system, right? Yeah, no, like I, that's the other argument too. And then people say like, my, but your I, I coworker a, got it twice. Yeah, or my or your co-worker. roommate, roommate. Yeah, my roommate got it twice. Um. Yeah, but he, he, he's just he's around sick people, and so I'm like I saying he's he didn't he. Kinda, you think he, drinking causes his immune system to the lower? You yeah. think if he was like working out, vitamins? He's not a drinker. He's okay. actually he's actually a really healthy guy. Yeah. He okay. doesn't drink. He he's a social drinker. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't smoke. I mean like you know they always say like uh if you're like a uh, a smoker And he and got then, a shitty twice. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Dude. It's so uh, it's just what it is like in he works in that nursing industry and it's going to sick people like even if you go to the ER now, you like you, they have you like isolated, you know, mm-hmm. like they they don't have they don't have visitors. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand. I, I understand like having no visitors because like and even like I said, people saying that going out with a mask, walking around without a mask on, but mm-hmm. saying they're va- you know, they're not saying they're vaccinated. Me seeing somebody out in public without a mask on is telling me, okay, this person's vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But in reality, half of them, I would, I would say a, a chunk of them are not vaccinated. Because they're just tired of wearing a mask. And I get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm like I said, I'm vaccinated. And when I go around in public, like maybe the grocery store or whatever, but if I'm going to go eat, it's kind of silly with the whole mask thing, but I try to wear it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But, but so yeah, you were saying, uh, with, with my new job, um, it's going pretty good. Started about in late April, early May. Mm -hmm. So it's been about three months or so. Mm -hmm. So just kind of getting in the swing of the things. Um, I'm basically, um, what, so when you, they let you go, your what was your mindset? Should I just oh. end my life and just keep drinking? Oh, well, yeah, for, for about a week or so I was like, well, after that I had, <laughs> I had got, I went in my car and I sat there and I cried and, uh, and then I was like, the first thing I did, I said, fuck it. Take my, I would have took 50 grand out of my 401k and went <laughs> on a fucking trip somewhere. So I just let it clear my mind. <laughs> so I, I, uh, my roommate wasn't with me. He was in the car waiting. So, so I told him, fuck, I'm, I'm like, we're going to drink tonight. I said, just call some people up, have them come over. So I went to Costco, mm -hmm. got some bottles. And I was like, this is my first drink in like two months, two months. And I was like, Pfft. and you got fucked up in yeah, one I drink. Got, yeah, I couldn't hang. Dude. <laughs> I had maybe a few shots and probably four cocktails and I was done. Like, I was like, man, I can't drink any. Like, I don't have the, the tolerance for it anymore. And so that was basically it. Uh, for, for a little while, I was pretty depressed. I was bummed and. Were you working on finding a job or you kind of no, just waking up watching TV? I was just, you probably go, I have a, so much money. I could, you know, yeah, like, I obviously we got to think of that. Like, you know, I, I can survive for the next six months mm -hmm. without a job. And I'm like, but by June, I'm like, I need to have something. And so I got lucky. I was looking around and I found a position. I applied, I interviewed and I got it. Is you being a driver help with that? Um, well, I went, or it's a totally different, no, it's a different industry. Different it's a, industry. it's a, um, it consulting firm, mm -hmm. but, uh, for the position I was applying for was a supervisor for like, like, and you had like experience. A, yeah. Well, the way I, like, the way I explained my job at UPS, it, it, mm -hmm. because we're our own bosses on, no, on we the, are we, on the road. So we have to make decisions. We got to like our time allowance, like just, you know, get things done we can't just be like, Oh, uh, it's eight hours. We can just bring the truck back. You know, like we, we, we're on, we're our own bosses in the sense once we're in the vehicle out there to get that work done. So with that, like uh, us as drivers, you guys were able like to get all that stuff done in a decent, timely manner every day, day after day after day. But you got to understand people like in the corporate world, nine to five job people, mm -hmm. They don't do a whole eight hour shift of work. <laughs> like, dude, like honestly, like they probably do a good four hours. Mm -hmm. If the, I think the study is like three, three and a half, maybe four. Mm -hmm. And so also what I think with people working from home now, they're realizing mm -hmm. these companies are realizing like, Hey, we don't have to pay for the office space. Mm -hmm. And these people are at home. It's almost kind of like a win win, but like they're trying to reopening the offices and bring everyone back to work. And a lot of employees are like, oh, you do because they're going to have to they'll raise business taxes than doing it that way. Mm -hmm. They'll find a way. But yeah, so the position I got was basically a managerial position. Um, I'm basically in charge of a team of people. 
kind of like an on route, not an like a center manager. So how do you how do you transition from being a driver to doing to a business manager? Like that? It's that's a I mean, do you making good money? Yeah, I am. I'm making actually the same amount of money as a driver. Holy shit! Do they, are it, they hiring? <laughs> yeah, we're actually we're building the office, a team right now. Yeah. Airline. But dude, uh, that's cool. I'm happy for you. But how are the benefits though? Now the benefits are good. There's a lot of travel. There's no pension, huh? No. No. Everything has to go to 401k. Yeah. Do they match 401k? Yeah, they match 401k. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. But no, they don't have a pension. No, they, there's like, everyone laughs like, you know, oh, pension. They're like, that's like so outdated. But this, that pen, UPS is like the last ones that have it. That and I think maybe uh, county workers. Yeah, county workers. I think workers. county workers have it. I don't think mailmen, uh, male people. No, they, they get into the social security. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, but you still get one, right? Yeah, I still have my pension from what I had occurred from while mm -hmm. I was there, but I can't touch it till like I'm retirement age. So was that uh, your golden eighty age plus uh, years of service? No, I, well, if I was still there, I think, but I didn't really. What is it? it? What did it change 50, to? Fifty-five and a half or something like that. Is it? No, it's a golden eighty. So it's your age plus years of service. Huh. So does it raise after that? I haven't, I haven't really looked into it. Yeah, you should. Not, but I wasn't really too focused on my pension because I was like, well, I mean, it's there. I can't really well, touch it. Well, let me see. How old are you? 43? Mm -hmm. Plus you had 15, 15. years. 48. 58. 58. So, jeez. 22 more years? 22 more years, dude. <laughs> so It'll be 65. 65. Yeah, because yeah, if you would have worked there, it, it Yeah, it, it would have gone, yeah. So like 65. Yeah, well, mine, mine is 52. Mm -hmm. My calculator, mine. Um, but with uh, disability a few times, mm -hmm. you know, and on top of it, dude, uh, insurance, health insurance is expensive. That's why a lot of people don't retire is because health insurance. Oh, yeah. And it's like, fucking like a grand a month for two yeah, people. I mean, God, dude, insurance at UPS was the best. Like my insurance, I have insurance. But it's like it's not gonna be as nice as UPS, but mm -hmm. it's insurance engine. It's like you know. Um, but yeah, overall, it's uh, it's been going good. Like uh, like I said, they have several different lo locations. It's worldwide, so I get to travel to different locations for training. Wow! And um, I'm gl I'm glad you, you know, everything that happened to you. You don't blame anybody but yourself. Yeah, I mean, I take responsibility you know, for you, it. There's no hard feelings towards uh, representation or mm -hmm. the company. Uh, shit happens in life, man. And yeah. I'm happy you're doing good. That's why you're on the podcast, because I'm happy you're doing good. You've been on it twice before. You're my brother. Mm -hmm. We had nowhere to go during the holidays. You'd come on my pad. Yeah. We'd hang out. And, you know, we were drinking, but not super crazy. You know, we always kept it, you know, chill. Pretty mellow. Yeah, just r real mellow. And it's it, it just it, because look at man, our job is tough. Mm -hmm. There's times where I said, man, maybe I'll just step away and go do something else. Mm -hmm. You know, and go find, go find another job somewhere make the, and a lot of people will go look trying to find a job that yeah, pays that and that's much. That's what like, that's why I like. So it's scary for some people. It was scary for me just to be honest with you because it's like, okay, uh, I have a high school education, mm -hmm. you know? And, and all you know, like 
the people at UPS. They're not mm-hmm. the smartest group of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some that are really smart, and you're like, wow, why do you, what are you doing here as a driver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then there's other ones like, well, I can see why. This guy's a driver. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you know, you, you just talk to him for five minutes, and you're like, God, this guy's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, And, like, everyone I, I spoke to, everyone that's been there for so long, they've been like, We've all thought that way. Why don't we just quit this freaking job and go get something else? Yeah. But then where where are you gonna where can you find a job that pays you what you're getting paid or make mm-hmm. what you're making with what you give what the, you got what you have you got a tool belt yeah what kind of tools are you carrying on you because you're gonna you can't go anywhere else like that and are you thinking about going to FedEx deliver and Amazon no like were I, those in your mind. Yeah, kind of, but I was like, honestly, I, I want to do something said, different. I want to do something different because I'm tired of working my ass off, like physically. It's not only a physical thing; it's mental. You know, like it, it, you, ha- you have to just—it's a thinking man's job, person's job. I kind of was corrected that now. When mm-hmm. I say thinking man, but um, <laughs> you're always on your feet. You got to think. You got to look at that. Hey, there's a pothole. I'm gonna twist my ankle. There's a dog. Oh, where's this? This that? Am I at the right address? so on you got you know and it's just you're constantly thinking and thinking and but the physical aspect i was like okay i've had enough with the physical laboring job like i just didn't want to be stuck to that again Mm -hmm. because another 15 years of some kind of physical labor to my body i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna need knee surgery yeah i'm gonna be walking around normally like well i need a walker or you know yeah it, it kept it keeps you in shape Mm. There's a lot of things you can do to keep yourself in shape, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I just made a decision. I'm like, this is well. First, I was like, this is the amount of money I need to make. <laughs> I want to make the same amount of money. If you could, if I could, could have taken. But I'm like, the lowest I would go, I set the number. So I, I just started searching and I started looking, and um, with everything opening back up, there's a lot of places that are really are really hiring. And it's just basically just getting lucky, man. Like I got lucky to get the position, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, in a sense, I know that. Well, I, I know you went to rehab mm-hmm. deep down in your heart. You want, you wanted to save your job. Yes. You also, Hey, I'm open-minded. I don't think I am. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm an alcoholic, but let me go and see. And you compared yourself to everybody else. But then you realize like, you know what? I guess I was, you know, but yeah. not as bad as I, you know, yeah. seen other people get, get wasted. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we don't see ourselves in the, the way that other people see. Yeah. Us. Your perception. Of, yeah. yeah your perception. And, and people see it like, you know, like, like your one friend said, like, you know, oh, we don't have that here. And you're like, dude, your eyes are not just open. They're not open. Mm-hmm. Cause you're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. If you really paid attention. You know, like some people are like, oh, that guy is a meth head. I'm like, really? And I'm like, that's just I thought that was just his personality. Like, no, you like because, you know, there's some people are pretty high strung, like, you know, really amped up. Yeah. But just, as long as they're pulling the numbers are good. Yeah. Like pretty amped up type person. And I'm like, oh, OK. But it just again, it it just takes that one time, that one incident. It's like a, a car crash. Yeah, it only takes one D, incident. It's like a DUI. It takes, takes that one, if, one, yeah, in, one incident. If you want to ride dirty, ride dirty. Yeah. But, hey, the Peter Piper catches up to you. Yeah. And you don't think, like, now that I think about it, now, like, I'm afraid to even, like, just in general to have a beer and then go drive. 
because I know I'm like, I'm not even intoxicated, but I still have it in my system, mm-hmm. you know? So like if, like, for example, if I'm like, okay, well, I'm at home and I start, I have a, a beer or two or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to get them. Like, I'm not driving. I'm not getting in my vehicle. It can, it's going to have to wait. Either you can that, order alcohol now. Yeah. Or I can order whatever I wanted to get, you know, like Uber Eats and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, just won't take that chance anymore. It just, it's the, uh, it's freaky, you know, like, and just think of all the times, like, like I have not, not in, at work, but in mm-hmm. my own personal life and in my own personal car where I've just gotten so loaded and got behind the wheel. Do you think it was a job that caused you to be like that? Yeah. You know, a lot of people in my counseling group were saying the stress from work had led me to start drinking heavily, but there was a lot of other issues too. There was like a lot of personal shit that I was going through Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really handling it like an adult, but I was just turned to drinking. And when I start drinking, guess what? I get aggressive and I start all my feelings and how I'd be feeling. Mm-hmm. I'd call that person up and I'd be all drunk and be like, Hey, you know what? You know, <laughs> I'd get into it with them. You know, like all I said, you know, liquid courage. And you know, it was like middle of the night and they'd be like, dude, we couldn't have this conversation while you're sober. So little by little, a lot of my friends and everyone were like, dude, you just need to have the, this conversation while you're being sober. Because when you're drinking, you're erratic. You're not level-headed. Yeah, it's always like, yeah, we'll get it tomorrow. We'll get it tomorrow. And you wake up. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, yeah. But it's just. Uh, Stop talking and do it. Yeah. That's what I, I so say. That, w- that was a lot of it, too. And Don't like, talk about it. Be about and it. And also, like, with that experience. That's, I was just like, you know, I, I, I made a mistake. Um, lost a great job mm-hmm. that I had for so 15 years mm. there's no one i to couldn't blame. dwell i couldn't dwell on it anymore and be like oh well this happened to me and like well it's my own fault you know like mm-hmm. it you know that had led me there so now it's like with this job i'm just like and i get to work remotely from home from time to time i don't have to go in the office mm-hmm. every day but but the experience keeps you away from because yeah this because, would be an easier an opportunity for you to drink while you're working yeah yeah I just sit and, at home and drink fucking yeah boom. but the thing is like I <laughs> I don't want to be like okay well <laughs> hey it's my lunch break I got a half hour for lunch I just go in the kitchen and crack open a beer like well what's wrong with this it's my break what's my lunch break but that sounds like, like a dream job that's <laughs> where I kind of was worried but I was like okay like even when I'm done like okay I'll run to the grocery store. And do this and that again, but I don't revolve it all my life around drinking. I just like, okay, don't like, there's like times I don't want to drink. Like I just, I, I'm getting Sounds so, like you want to drink. I'm just kidding. No, well like there's times, <laughs> but I'm just like, I get disgusted with it. Like smoking. Like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm done. Like, it's like, I'm like, dude, it's just like, health reasons. I see. Like, you got to find a new high, dude. Yeah. My, my, my new high is, podcasting mm-hmm. well, put yeah, all that energy because if i was just at home i could be sober yeah especially on a sunday i'm just gonna be like that scratching my beard like fuck. Well, it's oh little- the raiders and chiefs are playing oh shit i don't gamble no more <laughs> fuck <laughs> you know uh i don't play fantasy football no more i just yeah. i just can't i bailed out on one of my fantasy leagues i was in for 10 years mm-hmm. shout out to the puff cakes and since i started podcasting i didn't have time to 
do that. Well, you know, and, ve- and look at players and mm-hmm. put the time in. People don't understand. You put when you're playing fantasy football, it's like gambling. You're you're looking at the players and yeah, the teams, the, the weather, and the stats. It's just like another. It's just like another, it was. Too, a it was hobby. a full time job. Yeah. yeah, and I just me focusing on this podcast is what I really want to focus on right now. I mean, I did that stuff for over a decade. Aside mm. for me to, you know, yeah, to move forward and move on and just find something else to take, uh, occupy your time. Somebody else needs to enjoy it. The time mm-hmm. I did, it was, it was a beautiful time playing fantasy football. I, I left mm-hmm. a lot of leagues. Not, that's not the only one, mm-hmm. but I used to gamble too. I used to fantasy and gambling. That was my addiction. Every Sunday, ready, going to the store in the early at 9 a.m., mm-hmm. getting Oktoberfest and some menudo <laughs> and some chips and salsa, some chicken, the barbecue later. Mm-hmm. Or I would, you know, and I would just sit at home and gamble and fucking watch fantasy. You know, my fantasy, I had 10, 10 screens going on at once and looking at, you know, but I was also drinking and, mm-hmm. you know, and probably other things, obviously other things. <laughs> but I... Now, you know, I got better. I wanted to do more. I always wanted to do more. And it was me keeping my myself from doing what we want we want in life, right? What we want in life. We want to be the greatest person that we can be. We want to have the best we want to be at our highest ability. And the only way to get there is by stepping away. Mm-hmm. And and stepping away those because what are we doing that for? Are we bored or are we scared of something? Mm. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's a lot of both. scared. Like it's like, like a lot of people are like, mm, you're afraid to make that step. Yeah, but you're don't you're afraid to fail because mm-hmm. if you fail, you're gonna be like, I left a really good job or whatever situation, took a chance, and failed. Mm-hmm. And for anyone, that's hard. But for you, everything was taken away from you. Yeah, it wasn't by choice. And it wasn't by choice. But sh- deep down, you knew you can do better you know, than what you're living. And it took that to be taken away from you mm-hmm. to open up and, and, and find your, your real self. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like um, some of the like, old coworkers said it was like a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Because honestly, like. I I literally I, I'd say I had one foot out the door with that at UPS. I was just like ask anyone I kinda talked to, they kinda knew like I was like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. yeah, I'm late. I don't care. Like, well, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Fire me? <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. maybe like and with, with the other question I was like, maybe because it was my attitude and my demeanor at work that changed, people saw it. But like, yeah, I had gone through all that and I leaving the company and, and being lucky and finding another job. But you're happy with now. Yes. You're yeah, not I'm, drinking as much. Yeah, I'm not drinking as much. It's not as stressful. I mean, granted, it's it probably will further down. The, I go with the road with the company and more employees because we're only at like 60 percent right now with staffing. But um as of now it's just i'm just taking it every day by day and it's pretty easy job like just it it's managing people which is never easy but so far these people are very cooperative you know you know and they're very easy going they get the work done they get the work done i submit their work 
and you know, I pr- I give them credit. I'm mm-hmm. not sitting here like, oh, I did. How old's everybody? Oh, it's pretty wide range. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, what do you guys do? What do you guys do? It's an IT because I internet IT consulting firm. So internet consulting firm. Mm-hmm. So what do so you do? So they have clients that so you that, hook their that, business up with internet. Yeah. And so our why client, couldn't they go to Spectrum or AT and T? What's the difference between that and what a, you guys do? It's a bigger companies like uh, Honeywell. Yeah. Like that's the one client client I manage. And you manage their internet. Yeah. Their servers. Their servers. And, and all that. The security. Oh, the but, security. Yeah, yeah. So nobody gets hacked. Exactly. Cyber warfare is a really yeah, big. Yeah, no, it's, it's going a lot, it's going a lot uh, more, a lot more now. How old is your company? Uh, I can tell you, man. It's been yeah. around for a while, yeah. Infosys. Infosys. Like I-N-F-O-S-Y-S. Infosys. You've seen them around. Like it's what's their emblem? Like the little squirrely? Yeah, it's red. Yeah. Yeah. If you see it, you recognize it. You're like, oh, okay. So they do cyber you guys do cybersecurity for mm-hmm. clients. For clients. And so basically with that, we just you use your guys' own equipment and that's what you guys do. You set up the companies. Yeah, they set the your company equipment up. so you're you know what you everything's already programmed. The interface and everything works properly. So like if the, to, to prevent it's like us getting uh, at our house uh like a server. No, we can. Uh, what's the one if somebody breaks in, the alarm goes off? Oh, Brinks. Yeah, Brinks. It's yeah. like our house. We get Brinks for the house. Yeah, you're getting protection for the business. Mm-hmm. It's really man- mundane, tedious stuff, dude. <laughs> to be honest, because <laughs> like, honestly, I don't work a full eight-hour shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably four or five. But you get paid good money. Yeah. So like, think about it now. I'm not like doing like the crazy 12, 13 yeah. hour days, 250 stuff. Yeah. And I'm doing basically half the work now and I'm getting paid just as much. And it's like, wow, how did this happen? But I mean, I would say it's just basically how I presented myself in the interview and to the company and just, uh, yeah. I got lucky. I mean, maybe they needed somebody in a pinch. <laughs> they were like, but they hired me for the position. So, yeah, life goes on. Now, this time around, I mean, I just got to just maintain my confidence, be good at work, and just take care of myself. Stay well, off of, like, you know. Yeah, well, you knew, you know, for me, starting this podcast, I knew that I had to give up a lot of things, which I was already planning on doing because I know it was bad for you. Mm-hmm. But I knew once I, because I've been clean, get bad, clean, get bad. And it's just a cycle. It's just a dirty cycle. The yeah. hardest part, the hardest part wasn't getting clean, which is hard. Getting sore. But once you're done, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have cravings. And you're gonna have all this it's, time it's on your It's a new hand. way of living. My emotions, my brain chemistry. It took a, a good two years for me to get to that point where it's like, okay, because yeah, you feel down on yourself, and you you got all these emotions, and you're wondering, well, why did I get sober? What am I? What is my real life? What is my r- true destiny? Mm-hmm. And you have to find find something to live for. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and some people say, oh, family is something to live for. But there's 
sometimes millions of people. Not, it's sometimes not that's not enough. Yeah. Like you, you, you said earlier, like you, you got to do it for yourself. And it's like, if you're really willing to take it seriously, like it's, you know, like you do any acupuncture no, flotation. No. We should go do the flotation awakening. So in orange. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. I was we'll go. I'll set it. it up. We'll do a flotation, the whole thing. I did it, but I did uh, acupuncture, chiropractor last year for my 40th. Mm -hmm. And then I did flotation. I got out. I had to throw up. I went home and threw up. <laughs> you know, like detoxing. Yeah, I was detoxing. Oh, man. Severely detoxing. Like, I think if, if a person, I mean, I say it, saying one thing and doing another, two different things, but. I say it's like it's a lot of willpower. It's so much willpower for mm -hmm. how much you want to say, mm -hmm. okay, this is it. This is what I got to do. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's why, like, ki people, kids, when they're in their 20s, they're just like it's so easy. They're so positive and they're like, I'm going to go out in the world and make mm -hmm. a change. And, and I was laughing, thinking about that. And I was like, and then when you get to your 30s, you're kind of just like in the middle, mm -hmm. you know, you're all right. And as you get older, I've always like every five to 10 years, I've been looking back to see like just in general how you, you think. But mm -hmm. it's just kids like straight out of college or high school are the ones who are just out there wanting to go out there and get it. And they just strive every day. They're positive. And I'm like, oh, they're not so jaded. You know, they mm -hmm. haven't been screwed over much yeah. in life yeah, yet. Yeah. Wait till you're 40 and, you know, like. You know, like, but that's just another way of looking at it. You know, like people. Well, it's also people. Yeah, it's also people. They were already struggling even before. Yeah. For me in, in my 20s, it was more. Fuck, I don't even remember anything I learned in college. And plus, and I went to for quick, six years. People like also during this pandemic, I, I found it funny. How many people like after me going through my experience, they started talking to me more about uh, drinking. Like, mm -hmm. wow. So how did you realize this and that? I'm like. It wasn't me realizing it. If you got to if you got to wake up and drink a beer to go to work. Yeah. It was basically me getting in a situation at work that had led me to this point. And then to find out and I'm like, "Why are you asking me so many questions?" and they're like, oh, "I think I'm an alcoholic." And I'm like, "Well, if you think you're an alcoholic, you might be an alcoholic." Mm -hmm. So they would tell me their stories. I'll be like, "Yeah, I have done that. Uh, I've done that. I do that." And I'm like, and then the, a lot of restless nights, they'd be up late. And then all this other shit. And, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, you, I can find you a place. You, to find a place is easy. We have the internet. You can mm -hmm. find it online. I'm like, mm -hmm. the biggest step, I, step is like, I'm, you, you should become to, a body broker. You need dude. to just go. You just need to go to a program. And, and like I told him, you know, like it'll help you, it'll open your eyes mm -hmm. and make you realize the air of your ways of like how you were living your life and you not being productive in the right way yeah i was a functioning addict you know yeah oh i held on a great job yeah like but again throughout time it just built up and a lot of people during this pandemic it's like are it's like walking this old people think though you walk through these woods right you started at the edge um ice and woods and you went from the ice to the woods for so many years mm -hmm. and most addicts think that as they're going along through these woods, they're miles deep, hundreds of miles deep. And they think all of a sudden they want to stop, that they could turn around and go back out. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. No. 
as long as it took you going through those woods, walking through those woods, you got to turn around. You got to come back out the way you came. Mm -hmm. So if it took you 10 years to get there, it's going to take you 10 years to get back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Like, again, and, you know, of course, going to like. Yeah, people want it to happen overnight. Yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. It doesn't. <laughs> you, you think it can, but it it's just because your mind wanders and then you are like cravings and you have all this time on your hands and you're like, what do I do? Oh, go exercise. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. So now cracking open a beer, yeah, which would be go nice. To the gym. Go to the gym. The gyms are open now mm -hmm. and I have a mountain bike. I'll mm -hmm. jump on my mountain bike. There's a trail, Peter's Canyon next to where I live. Just jump on there go mm -hmm. to the trail. I mean, there's all go for a walk. Mm -hmm. And just go outside, mm -hmm. you know, like remember the smell the roses, wake up and smell the roses, you know, mm -hmm. like in one of these phrases I was always hated. I'm like, but now it's, I'm getting older. I'm like, this, it makes sense. It's so cheesy, but it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I have a family member that has cancer and she's going through quite a bit of stuff. And I'm just like, man, and she's the same age as me. And I'm like. And then people would always say, oh, well, at least you have your health. Like I said, as I'm getting older, I'm looking at what those phrases people would say to me. And I'd be like, well, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. But now it makes sense. Someone the same age as me, just mm -hmm. maybe two years older than me. And she's got a six-year-old daughter and she's got going through chemo and she's going through all this stuff. And it's just got to, it's rough. You mm -hmm. know, single mom. They're doing it. Yeah. And they're still going and, and, you know, I shouldn't be complaining about anything, you know, like, yeah. you know, like you're a survivor. Yeah. So that's basically it with all that. No, it's, 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 uh, it's been good to catch up, man. You're one of my good friends. I've uh, known you for a long time. We've hung out in the past and, you know, I'm just happy you're doing good. I wanted you to come back on the show. You know, I was worried about you. I just didn't want you to go down a spiral because I know a lot of people do when they leave this place. Mm -hmm. A lot of suicides and, and stuff as such that has happened. Yeah. And I'm I'm so happy that you, you're you finding your place and you're, you're doing good and you got a job and you're happy, man. Mm -hmm. And I never wish it upon anybody to lose their job the way you did. Uh, but like you said, shit happens and you're not angry. You're not mad. You're just in a better place. And. You know, sometimes people need to need to get a. I mean, every everyone's journey's oh, different. It's a wake up call. Yeah, it's a wake up call, man. But once again, man, uh, thank you for coming on the show, yeah. episode ninety. I will see you soon. We'll do. Yeah. We want you to come on, man. You're one of my friends, and see what's going on, what you're doing with life, and yes. you know, we got a lot of good stuff that is uh, happening in the world with COVID, the vaccines. <laughs> you know, we both have been through our our, our episodes, yeah, experiences. experiences. So I'll see you uh, next time, man. You yeah. want to say your piece, everybody? Yeah, no, that's it. I appreciate you having the show again. Um, it's always fun. So, yeah. Hope your uh, listeners like it. Yeah, they'll like it, man. It's almost three hours long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, guys, uh, want to thank my listeners from around the world that tune in. Thank you every week for tuning in. Thank you for all my supporters, family, friends, coworkers. Uh, I couldn't have done it without you guys. Uh, this is episode 90. Next week, I'll have 91. And so we're, we're getting towards 100 
hundredth episode. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys for listening. Stay true to each other. Love each other. Open the door. Hold the door open for people. Just be respectful, man, because you don't know what these people are going through. You know, everyone's going through stuff, and we, we hide behind this fake mask and smile like it's all good. You know, it it's not, man. It's really bad out there. People are going through shit, but it doesn't matter, man. We're going to still uh, spread positivity and, and let people know that there's another way, man. It's not the way you're doing it. So once again, I love you guys. I'll see you next week. All right, peace.